I can find the beauty in all of the things that people don't think are good, you know. <laughs> like yeah. with Cherry Moon, I, I just always say to myself, this actually was probably a vehicle for Morris Day and Jerome. Yeah. You know? So I picture Morris Day in that role, you know. It was a great idea. It just needed help because it, it had a good well, look to it. Yeah, the album, the, the album is quite is excellent, you know. And well, you know, that album is brilliant. Yeah, um, and the movie, yeah, it's it, if you look at it as a vehicle for Morrison's room, you know, it's it's not bad. It's there are worse things certainly. <laughs> Alvin Jones Jr. We got you online. Uh, I, I it. It's Alvin Jones Sr. Gentleman, what's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do here we could be watching football we could be doing trick or treat we decide to talk about Prince on a Sunday afternoon Hey, there's nothing better to talk about I'm a Giants fan so we'll get our ass kicked tomorrow so I'm good with today <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah poor, poor Giants fan hey Christian you don't have your, your picture one if because I, I never did a Zoom call with three other people so we just don't want to talk over each other. I don't know if you can you can see everyone else, but I don't know if they can see you. So we're gonna to have to make a visual cue as they, they that you want to talk. Um, okay. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how. I mean, um, how do we do that? It's, uh... Well, I'm very quiet, so I, you know. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> I don't have. Much. Uh, um, I think you go. Okay, you're on your phone, are you? Yeah, I don't have my. Yeah, I'm on my phone. Yeah. That's all I've got, unfortunately, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll make it work. It's only four of us. We can make it work. Yeah, all I right. think I can. I just, I can just jump in, kind of. You know. You got it. All right, so um, everyone, welcome to the first Prince Summit ever. <laughs> Yay! Glad <laughs> Any, to be here. Anyone who knows me knows that I hustle them on. Prince's uh, Graffiti Bridge. It's um, it's a love. It's it's a deep, deep passion love, and it's also a disaster together. So that it's a it's combined together. Um, but as a whole, uh, I I know that I talked to Darnell and Christian before about doing this years ago. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. I actually wanted to watch the movie and then we comment as we go along, but. Uh, this is even better because I got I, I got a team here, uh, three prince heads that can can uh, uh, can help me dis- decipher this movie or a film the combined. So we will flip around between the movie and the soundtrack. We'll go back and forth because it's all kind of combined. Okay, so who I got on with me uh, is uh, we got Christian Gerard. He is that little face over there. For, we're going to share this. He's from uh, Minnesota. He just did a, a, a video with me last month on his uh, uh, book, The Cure FAQ. All that's left to know about the most heartbreakingly excellent rock band the world has ever known. It was released on October 15th. And uh, it's good to see you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. The um, I know that when Prince passed, you were asked to... <laughs> to do uh, a tribute disc jockey set in dc remember that yeah yeah that was um that was a pretty intense experience um it was i i, I tried to put together the ultimate print set um and it was about four hours I, I was actually just playing in a record store um and um people came in and just sat and talked and listened to the music and shopped and it was 
it was a nice experience, but you know, of course, everyone was you know heartbroken. Yeah, I looked at your playlist. You made sure that you went deep, deep in the cuts that only oh, yeah. his fans would know what the deal is. Oh yeah, I tried to make it a good flow, um, mixing the big hits with the B sides. I mean, you have to go with the deep cuts when you're talking about Prince. You know, it's just you have to. If you're a fan, you got to go deep. Got to go deep in the grooves. That's right. Yeah. We have Alvin Jones Jr. from East Orange, New Jersey. Junior, uh, that's my son. Uh, why do I have your thing? I'm the older up. one. Oh, oh, uh, I crossed it out. Okay, Alvin Jones Senior from East Orange, New Jersey, or brother A K or A J, brother A J <clears throat> from the band Flip the Script. Yes, uh, Talked to you about two months ago. We talked. We went through our uh, top ten Prince songs of all time. And uh, you were my first, like, uh, Zoom, like, conversation, unscripted. And uh, the feedback was awesome. People loved it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I was glad that you have me. I just love the way we met because uh, the universe is so crazy how it puts people together. So we should have never met. And the fact that we met and we end up here again is awesome. As you can see, I'm an avid Prince fan. I, I loved him since 1979. I made the sojourn out in 2019 to Paisley Park because I said I wanted to go out there. I walked the streets. I stayed right across the street from First Avenue. I wanted to breathe the air. I wanted to see the sights. I wanted to feel what made him who he was because the thing I love about him was the most was most artists get their money. They take off and go away from home. He stayed home and he repped home as hard as anybody that I've ever seen. So I respected that about his demand as, as much as I did the music. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I hopefully someday, I don't know why I haven't been there yet, uh, but I want to be there. I think it'd be great. And it's good to have you. Uh, obviously, we're doing uh, Graffiti Bridge. we got one more person to talk about. It's the genre buster, Darnell Miller. So he is from, I put Wilmington, but you're really from Newcastle, right? Well, yeah, Delaware. So yeah. basically, you're Wilmington. Yeah. And uh, Darnell has, can play any... Uh, any kind of genre, uh, the rock, the blues, the R&B, uh, gospel, he, he knows it. And the worst thing is sitting him da down at a Denny's, you're never going to leave because we're going to talk about music for the next two to three hours. So <laughs> so just remember that, that if you're going to hang with Darnell, you're going to be you're going to be talking about some music. And you look like 10 years younger because you're slimming down. You're still doing your 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 diet. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking every morning when I can, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning before I go off to teach the kitties. And, uh, you know, I'm like 90% plant-based, you know. That's good. Yeah. Today we're, we're Jack and Ginger based. You, you, ha you have to. We're talking about, we're celebrating. It's, it's, uh, it's Prince time. And it's Prince <laughs> time. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s, but I've been a Prince fan since, I was in my single digits, and uh, I, the thing I love about Prince is the journey um, of always self-discovering and always just kind of doing his own thing and not really caring about what people thought. And um, here's an interesting tidbit. I happened to attend a virtual church that is pastored by um, Hannah Ford, Hannah Ford oh, and Joshua Welton. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And so, like, yeah, Hannah and Josh, you know, are, like, kind of, like, my spiritual advisors. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
All right. So we, we are talking about graffiti bridge. I uh, somehow met all of you, all three of you guys brought you in to the fold, forced you to, <laughs> you could be giving out candy on Halloween. You could be watching football. It's, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern standard time. You're talking about Prince. Now, how cool is that? <laughs> we're also talking about a, a beautiful disaster, I guess is what we want to call <laughs> graffiti bridge. And uh, there's so many ways we can talk about this because of the timeline of Prince, who he is, the music and how that all culminated and also just how great the music and, and the loosely veiled script of a script. Uh, it's really, really bizarre. Um, if you're looking at the timeline for people, because life kind of messes together in 1987, it was sign of the times. 88 was love sexy. 89 was the Batman soundtrack. 1990 was the Graffiti Bridge movie and soundtrack. And you got 1991 Diamond and Pearls. So when I, when I look at this album and I look at it now, I think of him chasing hits. Like it seems like Prince on one hand is very eccentric, but at the same time, he wants number one hits. And I think that the, the couple albums before didn't really hit Love 60 didn't do what I think he wanted it to do um, all around the world. I don't think did what he wanted to do. Uh, Batman was a bump, but it was kind of a soundtrack. I don't, I don't know. It seems that this album, he was really kind of shooting for like pop, uh, you know, pop celebrity. And I don't think it made it. You got Thieves in the Temple, which is a hit. And you had the Tevin Campbell um, round and round. And the rest of the album kind of just laid dormant. Um, what is your thoughts? Let's go to Christian Gerard about the the album uh, you know I, I don't know about that um i think that the next album actually was his aim for pop success diamonds and pearls um you know with graffiti bridge keep in mind a lot of the songs most of the songs in fact almost all the songs on that record are old vault tracks that have been sitting around for a while um and you know i think that thieves in the temple was a new track and um you know it came out as the first single you know, I, I think that he wasn't necessarily chasing pop singles on this one. I'm sure he would have loved to have had, a, you know, five or six pop hits from it. But a lot of the material was a little bit more esoteric. You know, Elephants and Flowers, The Question of You, things like that were sort of deep cuts. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily think that he was going for, you know, back to back to back to back top 40 singles. But, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't have minded it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I know that that there was a, a, he didn't want to bring rap elements into his music. And then he turned around and had that running joke in the movie about, Oh, I should have rapped on this. I should have rapped on this. And then the closing credits, he, there's a finally a rap. <laughs> yeah. Alvin, Alvin Jones senior. <laughs> AJ, baby. Yes, yeah. What's your thoughts on, on what, where was Prince at that time period? Yeah, I'm dead on with Chris, uh, you know, but I think uh, Darnell said it very best in his opening statement. Uh, once Prince achieved a level of fame, he stopped caring about trying to be the hit maker. If ever he was going to chase a hit, it would have been after Purple Rain. He dropped Purple Rain. The whole world found out about him because the whole world didn't know him. 1999 really brought him in. And yep. after Purple Rain, he dropped around the world in the day and all those people jumped off the train because that music scared him. A track like Tambourine, they have no concept and no clue of. It's my so favorite did, track of all time, Tambourine. My son loves that one too, man. So when he did Graffiti Bridge, I think it was more the fact that because it was a movie, 
He, uh, you know, think about Under the Cherry Moon. Kiss is this off one track from that movie that became a smash. When he did a Graffiti Bridge, he took those songs and melded them around the scenes in the movie. So I think he grabbed whatever he had. He wrote a couple of new things to put in there. And he just like, you know, like Chris said, he hoped that they could have been hits, but he just did what he, he always does. And the other part of that is, I always view that album as probably his strongest collaboration album because he let Mavis have a jam. He had Tevin Campbell, George Clinton had a jam. So the time was featured several times in that project. So even though he may have sat in the back and wrote the music, he really pushed it out to those folks who he was featuring. Uh, the underground track from that movie to me was Robin Powers, The One, you know? Yeah. So number one, I loved that jam, man, you know? So I, th I don't think it was so much of him trying to chase hits as he was more him trying to fold songs around this movie and put the product out into the universe. Now, Miller, you were like three when this movie came out. You always were trying to tell me. I, I, I was not. How young you are. It was 1990. I was probably, uh, I was in high school. It was like my, I was my second year in high school. I, wow. I remember it vividly. I remember Thieves in the Temple premiering on Video Soul. I remember it very, very vividly. Um, but what, what I do think, I think, um, Alvin definitely, they, they like Alvin and Chris, like they kind of like basically had like some, gr some great points. Um, first of all, like what we know as Graffiti Bridge in the, <clears throat> in the, that's been released, those tracks were like, a lot of those were vaulted tracks. And like Alvin said, this was the first, um, this definitely was the first project that it was like open collaboration, you know, him and Morris started talking again <laughs> you know what i mean and so it was like okay well let's they they get excited and put the time act together at the same time you know he's full on into paisley park records mode. <laughs> i believe um what's the guy that's working a and r he, uh eric leeds so eric leeds is a and r and so they signed mavis staples <clears throat> they signed george clinton and he's mentoring tevin campbell so like yeah, you know, uh -huh. um, but the original Graffiti Bridge idea had all new material, which was like in 87. And the original script had nothing to do with what we saw as a movie. I think that in the beginning, when Madonna said she didn't want to do it, that's when he was like, well, forget it, you know. <clears throat> and so he just kind of left it alone for a couple of years. And so he couldn't get money for like this new idea that he wanted to create. So he kind of had to like trick them into saying, well, it's kind of like a purple rain sequel. And that's where more <laughs> comes in. That's where like all these people come in. And, um, you know, so I guess when it came to the soundtrack, he was like, I'm just, I'm going to piece it together, but still create something that's, kind of cohesive. I know a lot of people say that the movie and the soundtrack don't have a singular vision, but it probably does. We just don't know what that is. We don't know, <laughs> the, mind. We don't know the mind of Prince. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he took an idea that he had that, you know, that wasn't going to work, and he did something, you know what I mean? He did something else. Like, we don't know. <clears throat> you know? But yeah, like, I think he was in a transition, because also this is the first time we start to see we we 
This is the first time Rosie Gaines comes into the fold. This is the first time Morris Hayes comes into the fold. This is the last input from Dr. Fink. He's out after this. Um, he, in fact, he doesn't even appear in the movie, although he's on the record. Um, also, uh, I think that this is the first time Tony M, you mentioned a rap. This is the first time we hear Tony M, who later, be, you know, get off and like that whole era. And this is the first time, like, okay, like I'm going to try to put a band together now, New Power Generation. And the weird thing, like the funny thing is, so Elisa Fiorello, who ended up with him towards the end of his days, but she actually appears on this album, Elisa Fiorello, which is crazy. So I think he was in the transition as well. You know, I, I, and I agree with like uh, Chris and Alvin, and, and I'm going to add to that, he was also in the transition. He didn't care what nobody thought. You know, he was trying to figure this thing all out right now. You know, he was trying to like, okay, they won't let me do the movie I wanted to do. I'm going to try to make this work somehow. And I, I mean, you know, not for nothing, he tried. You know. Oh, no. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I think that the, the the visual of the movie is is very beautiful. I yeah, think yeah. that the direction he's as a director, it's it's uh, on point of, of the, I mean, the, the, the concert scenes, uh, let alone all of them are, are awesome. Uh, the the, uh, the set is, you know, the graffiti bridge set to me looks like it's from H.R. Puffin stuff. You know, it looks very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all done in his studio, you know, so you can even see like they're in on, uh, you know, he's riding his motorcycle in between the, the set and you can see that the, <laughs> the ground is the studio floor. There is no like deny, there is no road. So, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. Um, the, the movie itself. Okay. So it, uh, Paisley Park opened in 1989. He recorded or, or did this whole thing right around 1990. The album got released. I mean, the, the album got released on August 20, 1990. The, the album was almost 70 minutes long. So that was a really big deal at that time. So he charged $2 more list price because it was like a jam-packed album. And I think that was not a good idea. So when you went and had to pay a lot of money, it was a $2 more. It hit number six uh, on the R&B chart and the pop chart. It, was, uh, it went gold on both sides. As the movie, it has a 19% Rotten Tomato. Uh, it, it, it's a um, 4.5 out of 10 by uh, IMDb. The budget was $7 million. It made 4.6, so that's considered a failure. But it's not a failure because all three of us are talking about it 31 years later. <laughs> and it, the movie was released 11, 12, uh, 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 1990. So it had... Um, it had a, a a couple months for people to get that album, get the songs ready to go. So when they saw it live, um, right. I mentioned this when we started talking about some questions to talk about is, well, we could really break apart this movie as a, um, a really terrible movie and really not cohesive. Um, we're also talking about black cinema back in the time, which is a little headier. So I want to talk to Albert because you were a little baby. But this is right around the time of uh, Spike Lee's uh, Do the Right Thing came out, like maybe a year. So we're going all the way back then. And there was a heavy segregation of like black artists and black films. And they were relegated to certain markets. And uh, it doesn't have a, a big uh, opening. 
it's possible that that if, if the reviews were really good for uh, this movie the first week, it may have been opened up in other markets. But there was a there was a time when black cinema was, you know, sidelined. Do you, do you agree with that? Remember that time period, Alvin? <laughs> yes, most definitely. Uh, so you got to think about it uh, because anytime there was a, a black release for a movie, you didn't get the full screens like you got in the, uh, you know, for the white uh, movies that were released. And then you're also talking about somebody who is technically not a movie star. So he's not a movie star. So they're not going to give you what you're looking for unless you're going to deliver them Purple Rain Part 2. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he was able to get $7 million <laughs> for a budget is amazing. Okay. Uh, we say it grossed like 4.6 is a failure. Well, let AJ do a movie and let me gross that. I'm moonwalking in this bad boy for the next two years, okay? <laughs> so, you know, on those things alone, and then you take somebody like Spike Lee, who was a director, who went to film school, who had some uh, product out there, and then when he dropped his similar uh, racial tension movie, Do the Right Thing, that thing was uh, uh, powerful, and it had a heavy resonance in the Black community. Uh, but he also had uh, some stars in there that you got to see, you know, Danny Aiello, who you, who you going to get him to play in a Prince movie, right? So I do think that was a little bit of a problem because Prince didn't have any marketable stars in that movie. Uh, I believe the only person in there was really him. Uh, Ingrid Chavez, she wasn't really nobody of note, right? No. Uh, at least when he did uh, Purple Rain, he had Clarence William III. So we knew him from the Mod Squad from back in the day and all these other uh, culture movies that he had played in. And, and I also think one of the other big things is, remember, Prince also directed this movie himself. Yeah. And he, 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 you know, Purple Rain was directed by someone else. Under the Cherry Moon, he took the helm. Sign of the Times, he kind of took the helm with a little bit of help. And then he did this movie, so he didn't have a stellar track record. So I think all those things did work against him for effect. And then let's just think about musical kind of movies. Since the days of the MGM musical, music movies don't really hit like we want them to hit. They have to be concert movies for the, the audiences to resonate with them. Whether you're black or white, those are the type of movies people want to see their stars in. And I really go back to Under the Cherry Moon because he didn't play Prince. And all the other movies, he kind of played Prince. Yeah. In that movie, he played a character. So folks are a little hard to see you play something different uh, to transition from out of what they know you as. And the soundtrack didn't help him because there were no seminal smashes. If he had a, 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 a oh, God, when doves cry, you know, if he had a purple rain on this bad boy, that would also help propel that. And it would have probably opened up more theaters for him. So yeah. I do think when you look at that time, I was 30 at that time. And just trying to think about what's going on in the world at that time and conditions. We were coming off the boom of the 80s. Money was was crazy. <clears throat> All kind of good things were happening. We were be getting very selfish. We were getting ourselves. Technology was starting to bubble up where we were starting to see things we had never seen before. The internet was starting to spring up. So I think all those things did help uh, suppress the film from being a little bit better than it could have been. Right, right. Darnell, do you know, could you synopsis the movie? Like, what does it mean? <laughs> like, what does it mean? What is the, yeah, so it's a thin veil. If you don't want to, I can do it. <laughs> do, you, do you think you know what the movie's about? 
Honestly, <laughs> as many times as, as, as I've seen the movie, I could never really tell you necessarily what the movie's about. I just know it involves the kid. Yeah. Morris. You know, and like all the other characters that ensue. <laughs> right. You know, I, yeah, I could never like really break the whole movie down. Okay, well, I know he want. I know he wanted to create like a whole West Side Story type of vibe. I, I just don't. You know, I couldn't really tell you. Like, you know, I would. I, no, <laughs> that's okay. All right, so this is. Let me see if I can like run it and see if you guys the, the thin veil of a, a thing. So it is a sequel <laughs> of Purple Rain. Okay, so you got the you got you got the kid, and now they're all a little more famous and established. They're all in that you know, musical area, um, and uh, the time is doing a lot better. Uh, Morris's uh, character, uh, they want to take over uh, that theater, all the theaters in that area, so he can c- kind of dominate it. Um, Prince's dad, when he died, had a whole bunch of uh, lyrics about gospel music. And, and spirituality and Prince wanted to uh, take some of his music into a more spiritual, well I guess it's the kid the kid wanted to bring some more spirituality into his music and why, by doing that less people showed up to his theater and that's where they felt they could attack and turn around and take over so they uh, uh, there's a, 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 a aura comes out of nowhere and she represents an angel <laughs> <laughs> with a feather <laughs> and she says that she's here to to uh, do whatever it takes to uh to uh, make prince see that he can go forward with his spirituality so there's some scenes that basically there's a band off and prince loses and rora uh is allowed to get mulled over by a car <laughs> and they realize that what they're doing is very petty and selfish and that you know he should just be able to do what he needs to do, and and uh, and provide more spirituality in his music, and it's happily ever after. <laughs> do you do you feel like I kind of got it? <laughs> you yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Listen, I watched this movie. Okay, yeah. Listen, it is good versus evil. Uh-huh. You have a god figure who shows up. She has to die. That's the reincarnation. And then they have the battle, which Prince effectively lost. And when her when she died, that was the reincarnation. Then Prince comes out with a ballot. And yes. he went to the contest with a ballot. And Morris basically says, okay, why am I fighting my brother in essence? And you keep your club and we all going to go do what we need to do. But there, she was brought, like, she's like an angel. She was brought there for, for this situation. Yes. She could have easily, like, walked out. I mean, that car was running in slow motion. She could have easily just walked away from it and not get hit by it, but she did it on purpose because she felt that there was a power that was telling her that they, she'll do whatever it takes. Yes. So, I don't know. I This is that thing when you watch this movie, like, you know, 70, 80 times, which I do, like, <laughs> where you get get a little more involved than you probably should. <laughs> Chris, um, you were going to say something. <laughs> I, I think it. I stepped over you, Chris. What were you going to say? Uh, no, I was just going to say, I, th- I think that's <laughs> that's a good synopsis. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's always interesting to me that it's seen as a sequel to Purple Rain. Um, it's all, almost the exact same storyline as Purple yeah. Rain. You know, Morris ends, you know, sort of the conflict in almost exactly the same way. And then they have the big ballad. It's 
still would stand all time instead of Purple Rain. But honestly, um, it's, it's it's very similar. Um, I, I think Prince was sort of lost and didn't quite know where to go with it. You know, the the, the visuals are really striking. Um, you know, it would have worked well, perhaps, like when Prince put out the Symbol album a few years later, he put out a video collection of sort of loosely connected videos that were sort of thematically connected. This would have worked fine as that, direct-to-video. Yeah. You know, sort of a promotional tool for the album um, instead of a, you know, major movie. Um, but, you know, Prince being Prince, <laughs> he had big, big dreams, so. Yeah. The, 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 the thing about this movie is that it is thinly veiled videos, and that's what, what's even more striking. It is. Yeah, it is. It's basically a video collection. I mean, yeah. you can look at it like that with a sort of very thin storyline connecting. But it's basically about the songs and, and you know, the performances of the videos. Yeah. I, I think uh, the Times songs shake <laughs> and released it is uh, like awesome videos. They're great. Uh, yeah, those are two good songs. Very strong, strong, very strong songs. And you could yeah. see that. You could see that he clearly, like when him and Morris got back together, like he clearly had a vision for where, because you know they they have a whole album. That never, of yeah. course, you know that that whole corporate world album that never really got never really got released. But you could hear you could hear that like Prince kind of had a vision of where he think where he thought the time should go, like in the future. You could clearly hear that. Yeah, and I think that it would have been better if you know, like you mentioned, it was a seventy minute album. I think if he had done what he did with Purple Rain, which was put his own material on the record. And then let the satellite bands sort of have their own records at the same time. I think that probably would have worked better um, mm-hmm. to make a more cohesive album. And yeah. you know, I think I think that would have presented the material better personally. Um, but yeah, because it, it kind of gets lost. I don't like the sort of various artist aspect of it really. Oh, okay. Oh, That's wow. Well, I actually gonna... like that. So I'm surprised. I'm that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually so. I'm open to that idea. Like I've never heard that. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Well, everyone was on the labels except for Tevin, so that that could have easily worked. And yeah, and that's what he basically did during Purple Rain. That's a bit, you know, because Ice Cream Castle is the time at their yeah. album, you know, and you know, so the only person that didn't have an album out that didn't ended up having an album out that was in Purple Rain was Des Dickerson with Modern Air. That's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that was a single, perhaps uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but, yep. but I don't. Yeah. So why wasn't these time single like songs released as singles? One, both of them are, are extremely hot. Two, well, they're, they're, they had a built-in video already, and uh, you know they they had pan- is it pandemonium just was coming out next, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, pandemonium. So what was the reason? Because these songs are single worthy. Well, I think that Shake It was released as a single. If I'm not mistaken, it probably didn't chart. Um, I think one of the two. But was it credited to the time when they released it? I think they still credited the Prince. I think it was credited to the time. Okay, um, I don't, I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I think that I think Shake was released as a single. I don't think it did anything. Um, it, it's probably, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that there was a, a single issue for that one. Maybe it was only a promo. Well, it was a built-in video just right from the movie. It was great to see these guys yeah. today. It's great to see Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis dance, and all these guys look so young and and youthful uh and to realize that morse day just has such an amazing 
like stage presence. Like he is like a modern day Cat Calloway. You know, he was uh, yeah. drawing people in with his charisma more than his talent. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was it was great. But what was the deal with the Jimmy Jam Terry Lewis? Because I thought they got kicked out at SOS. Just be good to me. That's nineteen eighty four. So here you see them in 1889, and they're basically in the band again. So where did that all, well, you guys know better than me, how that happened? I want to just back up to your original statement, and I believe that's a part of the problem. Because, the you know, even think when they released the last record they did, they had to call that record the original seven because Prince wouldn't give them the name, the time, who we will always, forever and a day, call them the time. And I still think they hadn't settled all that yet. And Prince, you know, being, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised at him. This is the one thing I really uh, felt that he should have let go of and let them be who they are, especially when Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis proved that they were equally as talented as he was. And with the fact that when he works with an artist, you kind of get a Prince track for the artist. When Terry, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis work with an artist, they take that artist in, sit with them, feel them, and then they work on the project collectively. And uh, Jesse Johnson is probably one of the most underrated guitar players on the planet. True. I don't know how his when he had his little three uh, record R and B run, he was killing it. Everything he dropped was pure fire. So I think that Prince still wanted to be the overlord of that group. So I think he he wouldn't allow them. Like they didn't really write the music that they performed on that. I think he co-wrote those jams, one with Morris and Levi Caesar, uh, who wasn't a part of the time. So I think that was still some some salty feelings. I don't know what was with the labels. What went on, you know, behind the scenes with labels, you know how you got to, you know, this artist is from A&M Records, you know, performing on this uh, soundtrack. So I think there was a lot of that still going on that they hadn't resolved. That's why I don't think they pushed them out, those songs out to a, a time album and, and tried to drive the time to help fuel this movie. Living in that time period of being out on the dance floors, that uh, Ice Cream Castles album was huge, you know, and, and it's... It's weird how they they couldn't capitalize on that momentum, you know, that they had to take two steps back. Because when it came to that time period, they were the number one funk band. Like they were they were it. So it's kind of weird how I don't know, they get kind of knocked in the knees or, or legs through their career when they were so good. Well, you know, I think that I, I think that of course, you know the whole thing of the time being Prince and Morris's baby. And then by the time Purple Rain is like full fledged, it's just, it's Prince's baby. Prince is making the calls, but it's supposed to be Morris's band. And so Morris feels some type of way. So that creates tension. You know, you bring Paul Peterson and like this other cat, like all, all this other stuff starts to happen. You know, Jesse rolls out, you know, when Morris rolls out, then Jesse rolls out. Like all this stuff happens, and you know, the time. What what most people don't really think about is that the even after Jesse and Morris roll out, like the time is still there. So now Prince has to pick up those pieces from the time, and does he keep going with the time? What does he do? No, he takes the the leftover pieces from the time, and then creates the family. Because people still got to eat. You know what I mean? Really, it was like Jerome got to eat. You know, Jelly Bean got to eat. So, so people got to eat. 
what do, what do you what are you doing? Like, are you are you flicking something? Like your audio is like, are you? Am what are you? I'm not, what, are you I'm what are you touching? Like on their on I'm the touching, desk? I'm probably touching my desk. But that's right. Yeah. Stop touching your desk. Okay. <laughs> your 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 words are too important, and I and I don't want to chop them out because of some kind of okay. Like, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that um, you know, you know, then the family comes, and then you know, of course, Jimmy Jam and Terry like they explode with control of course which prince acknowledges but in a very shady way um, you know but when they explode they take monty moore and jelly bean along with them yes jesse johnson explodes moore's day explodes you know but they have no like relationship like with prince you know but prince is always sending out sos and um but so by the time Graffiti Bridge or whatever rolls around, Prince and Morris, are, I guess they cool again because you know Prince, Prince and Morris, they like they like they act like family. Like we we talking, then we not talking. We talking, then we not talking. And so by this time they started talking. But what I think happened was they worked on this album Corporate World. But if you like at this point, Jimmy Jam and Terry are established. Jelly Bean is established because he did Black Cat. Monty Moore did Pleasure Principle, and we know Jesse Johnson's work. Like, come on. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, now, if you want us back, we need to be contributing to this this pop. <laughs> like, you're not just going to, like, yes. like, you know, they hood, too. I don't know if you know the time, but they hood. They hood. Man, like, they'll cut you. Right. They will cut you. So it's like, nah, we not coming back now because we didn't like we 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 made a name for ourselves. But we're not gonna let you control this whole thing. We'll let you get a little bit. We're not letting you get it all. So I think that's what led to like the whole graffiti bridge thing not popping off, but then pandemonium popping off because that was an album that they all contributed to. And it's a great album. Yeah, which is a great album. I mean, chocolate, but the best songs we gotta admit. Are the ones that Prince, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, jerk out like you know, yeah, man. <laughs> All right, what can you say? I mean, I hate to say it, you know. I mean, you know, but the original seven record is genius, though. I know, condensate, you know, strawberry. Oh, if I was your man, Cadillac, yes. yeah. I just uh, not that I'm going to use this on this uh, recording, but the keyboard part of Shake was a steal from. Uh, Paul McCartney's Ule, Ule Esta Sole from 1989's Flower in the Dirt. The total oh, rep from it. Yeah, so I random. Go find that. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> All right, uh, Christian, what did you think of <laughs> Tevin Campbell being used in the movie and then also on the um, the soundtrack? I mean, you know, he was, he was fine. I, I didn't really care much about it to be honest you know it didn't it did it didn't really strike me as um you know uh anything remarkable uh, not to be mean or anything you know he's he's a great you know he's a good vocalist i thought that song was a little cloying to be honest with you i didn't really think it fit in with the soundtrack um with the prince record you know i I think that's another reason why i think it would have been better as a separate um release but you know it was a hit you know and it, it sort of launched tevin's career um it was a little strange. The whole thing was a little strange. Um, but, uh, you know, um, Tevin later did um, the song, which 
Prince recorded on the Gold Experience album. Um, you know, so it wasn't the last time they collaborated, but um, it, it launched a, a sort of, you know, he, he became popular for a while. He had several hits, so. Uh, we got uh, Darnell is, is muted. I, I don't know if he's angry or not. Oh, he's on the phone. Uh, Alvin, I, I think it's amazing that a kid, I guess he was 14, 15, who yeah. would have Quincy Jones as a mentor and Prince at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, no one, no one, is, as far as I know, other than like, say, Judy Garland, <laughs> has ever been mentored to that level with genius and genius and genius and um, then realizing that he has a talent. When when that song came out, it, it stalled at number twelve. I wanted it to be number one. I did have a problem with one line, and I want you to talk about the song or what what, what you're saying. But I just want to get this lyric out. One day I'll make it in the big city, and I'll be looking for a girl who's pretty. One day I'll make a play, and then she'll say okay, because I want to be a cool kitty. And I, I was like, mm. I always thought it was cool kid, and he he drops that vocal. So you don't even understand what it is, but it's cool kitty, which I violently hate that line. <laughs> but <laughs> what is your what's your thoughts on Tevin? I think that uh, I thought it was smart on Prince's part because that's a really like a PG movie. It's not like it's an R-rated movie. So this may have been a way to drive some young fans to the movie uh, to, to get on board and, and understand his vision. I think it's a classic pop tune. Uh, at that time, you know, I would take a lot of those tracks and I would record them. I had my daughter come in and sing that track. I wish I still had the version that I sang. She knew the song word for word. She didn't need no no lyrics or nothing. That's how strongly that song resonated with the kids. And if you look at that movie, uh, really, that was like his spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, him and Mavis, you know, that was it. Even George had like like one little spot. Yeah. So they, his, his spot... And Melody Cool were the two times that they were featured prominently. And at least Mavis did have some more uh, lines down the road when she was trying to, you know, get everything going back together. But mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a smart play on his part to take a young artist who he saw something in and uh, deliver that track for him. When he delivered sure to Kevin, uh, Tevin didn't have the, 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 the adult experiences to put into that track what it needed. So when Prince dropped on the cold experience, he put into it what it needed, especially with yeah. Michael yes. B back there with them devastating drum fills all over the place. Okay? Those drum riffs, oh my God. They, are they so amazing? Good. Amazing. Michael B is the man. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I thought it was a, a beautiful uh, part of them because if you go back to Purple Rain, where the kids at? Under <laughs> the Cherry Moon, the kids were in the street when they were running through the streets of Paris. Sign of the Times? No kids. No kids. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I think it was his way of, again, giving us another avenue for folks to experience Prince. I always say that the difference between Prince and Michael is when you see Michael Jackson, you see the kids from four, the, the, the people from four to 94. When you saw Prince, you saw the crowd from like 17 to like 50 was like his hardcore crew. So yeah. I think it was his way to try to, let me see if I can reel a few more in. Uh, with, with Darnell, we're going to talk about Mavis, but what did you think about Tevin before we go to Mavis? Um, you know, I think round and round, I mean, that's the one song I remember, like, in the hood that was getting played, actually. I think it's a beautiful song. I, yeah, I, I don't like that line. Yeah, that's, yeah, just that, you don't like that line. <laughs> but that, that in the hood, I remember, even on Video Soul, like, that was the, 
that was a song that was getting the play in the hood, you know, because Tevin was still kind of hot at that time too yeah. as well. I mean, when I first saw that, I was like, well, that's interesting, Prince and Tevin, you know. And what I just learned recently is like the version that we hear mostly was not was actually – is a remix by Junior Vasquez. Oh, okay. That's it's- what I Yeah. Um, you know, and even like, even with the whole like break, when I first heard Break It Down, I was like, <clears throat> okay, well, he know about doing somebody after school like some home. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It wouldn't be Prince. That's right. That- it wouldn't be Prince if he didn't take an artist there. I, I mean, and I, 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 I thought it was actually cool, you know, even that Quincy, you know, was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I will let you do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought it was I, cool. but round and round, I, I think it's a cool song. I think vocally, like, Tevin is, like, spot on. Yeah. He's yeah. vocally, you know, not, you know, he's just vocally, he's spot on with that song. Yeah. I, I actually, now that, I, I don't know, like, I think his delivery makes it feel like more of a youthful song. Where I don't think like Prince could carry around and round, or it would be a track that he would give to a female group or something, yeah, because yeah. because it it has a a play that's not him anymore. It's not a it's not a Prince vision. It's a Prince song, but I don't think it would work for him. So it's good that he would give it away. I I've seen him sing that in concert, and what he does is he puts a twist on it, so he mm. makes it more adult and it's more of a growl as opposed yeah. to that high soaring. The background vocals would get that. And he sang it in a more of a lower or uh, sensual tone than, than Tevin did. Yeah, well, that that would only work that way. Yeah, yeah, I want that. I want that. Uh, okay, so then we're talking we're talking about Mavis Staples. So Mavis was kind of um, you got the Staples singers, yeah, one of the best singers of all time, and uh, she was dormant in on the the R and B charts. And it seemed that you know once Prince brought her onto his label. Uh, from then on, she really has had a spotlight on her. And then even recently, uh, Wilco's uh, Jeff Tweedy um, started working with her, and she's now like a like an R&B legend that has a, a whole new audience that never knew that she existed. I think she looks stunning in this. I just watched it before I called you guys, and this is a perfect. She looks beautiful. Um, she didn't. She couldn't say her lines at the beginning of Melody Cool. They could have done another tape. She. She's like, I'm Melody Cool. Like, she didn't, they didn't match. <laughs> I don't, I, but I think it's really cool that they were ready to take her, um, her, her uh, um, space away. And she just comes out and say, I'm Melody Cool. And 50 people run out and, and sing behind her and explain to her that she's Melody Cool. So uh, the song's awesome. Um, I think it goes a little too long. That's all. I, I would actually do a, a little edit on it. <laughs> Because I, I think I, we get the point that she's Melody Cole, but other than that, that's my only only take on it. Um, who wants to who wants to chime in on Mavis and her contribution? Well, I, I think you nailed it. I think it's a she delivers a great vocal on that song, and it's it's a really good song. It it it, it had you know, you know a pretty strong melody. I think that um, it, it it was sort of a reach for it to have been a pop hit. Um, but it definitely it definitely put a spotlight on her, and it was nice to see. I actually think the, the two albums that Prince did with Mavis had a lot of really good material on it, and um, right. you know I, I think that he gave her some good stuff, and she she did it really well. 
Um, it was one of the one of the better collaborations, I think, um, that Prince has had with one of the sort of heritage artists. You know, I, that's a good point, Chris. Absolutely, I agree totally. That was those albums like God is Alive, like all of that. Just all that that whole. I come those to you like a, heat, with like a dog in the night. Yeah, man. That's a mm-hmm. line, boy. Who could write that, that in a line? The, the yeah. song, and she, you know, even during that era, she had started to get recognition, recognition again from the gospel community. I remember her clearly singing um, "Time" on the Stellar Awards. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I never did it. She did train, didn't she? Too, didn't she? Um, that's on train. Yeah, um, from oh, from the uh, yeah, from the sign of the times period. Yes. One thing I would say about her appearance, what was slick about uh, bringing Mavis out is when she came out, you know, you thought she was going to come out and sing her song. Then all of a sudden you saw the steals come behind her and they set the stage. Yes. For and uh-huh. then when Prince did his ballad at the end, they brought the steals back again to help solidify with those soaring vocals to lift that thing up and just help you propel it down the road. So I think that yeah. was really yeah. a great transition point for them. We cannot forget the steals. They're like, yeah. they were an integral part of that era. They did a lot of vocal work for him, and he actually produced an album for them. Like, yes. yeah. we cannot forget the steals. Definitely cannot. Yeah. Uh, uh, George Clinton, in my opinion, I, I love the Cinderella theory. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do. I think it's a great album. I don't, I don't know if you're laughing. Oh, oh, oh okay. Well, I love it. Yeah, Cinderella theory. Uh, oh, yeah. I was shocked that it went up to cut out. It went up to cut out, like, after six months that it came out. It's too good of an album. And um, so when I, when I, uh, like, you know, I, I I was listening to Quest Love, and he was still heavy addicted to drugs at that point. So I, it's debatable on how much that song is. It, the song was uh, We Can Fuck, and they changed it to We Can Funk. Yeah. And it's debatable how much George really had involved in it because um, it, it seems like a Prince track with uh, like a background vocal. And even George in the movie is just a faint blip. Yeah. So it would have been nice because uh, George is uh, a human being who is a character amongst himself. You don't mm-hmm. need any kind of script. He is George Clinton. So it would have been cool to bring him out as himself and, and just you know, just watch him in his awesomeness. So it was right. disappointing about his contribution here. Yeah, he What's was wasted it? in that movie, unfortunately. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really was. You got George Clinton. I mean, and that's what you get. Uh, yeah. Give from it. It's, it's a shame. But the song, it's a Prince song that he'd been, that song had been percolating around for years and he'd re-recorded it and re-recorded it many times. And you're right. I don't think there's just a very little tidbit of George singing maybe the second verse, I think. But he's not—he's not really on it that much. I would say that this is the weakest song on the album. I—I I, I could go there and say you could drop this because it—it's—it doesn't. Well, well, it doesn't really match up to the movie, but it could have easily went on George's Cinderella Theory album. Oh no, I might throw "Tick Tick Bang" in there because yeah, that song. Yeah, you can kind of that's the worst. Tick Tick Bang is Bang is like what. It's, it's embarrassing. Eclectic. I like this song, yeah. but it's too eclectic to groove. Oh, my God. No, fighting words. Let me say about George. Uh, 
first off, I give Prince all the credit in the world for going out to grab George. Because remember, there you he, go. Grabbed Shaka, he grabbed Mavis, he grabbed Larry Graham. These were stars whose careers were basically DOA. Yeah. He brought them into Paisley Park, put them on the label. And he tried to get George into that movie. And if we think Prince is a character, George is on steroids compared yeah, to Prince. Okay? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And if you could come into my studio and, and I walk you out into my DJ room, I probably have about 5,000 vinyl records out there. The very first record that I ever brought in my life was Parliament Mothership Connection. That's the record that started my vinyl record collection. Uh-huh. And... George Clinton was a man who, it started with James Brown. I heard Cold Sweat, and that funk hit me in a way that it never hit me before. And when I heard George Clinton, I was a disciple. So I love George Clinton. George Clinton changed the whole genre of music. And you can see Prince playing, paying his homage to George from what he, he did for him. But as far as being in that movie, uh, if Tevin had a, a, a spit in the movie, George had less than that. And it was probably for the better, given the condition he was in. If yeah. George was in better condition, maybe Prince would have featured him more. So we're just grateful yeah. that he got to yeah. sign his feet away when Mavis told him not to. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he had three lines. I did it. You know, it's like it's, it's, there's really nothing going on. Um, yeah. as, as a wild card, as someone who is a highlight to this movie, is Jill Jones, the dancer. Uh, mm. She is hot. Uh, that her um, her dance moves. I know I'm a you know I'm not a good dancer, but people don't realize that I imitate her dancing in the the cage all the time because it's so simple. <laughs> and people are like, "Wow, he's terrible!" But it, I'm doing children. I'm doing my own children's <laughs> imitation, and that has a lot to do with me being sucked on this movie that I've watched it so many times. Um, she. Uh, she was a, a great addition. I think she was as a as a an actress. She was one of the stronger uh, points on the movie. But you want to? Anyone want to fight me on that one? <laughs> yeah, and she's 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 a great talent. And she she did a lot for Prince over the years. And her album that he he produced and wrote, the Jill Jones album. I think it came out in eighty six or eighty seven. That's probably, in my opinion, the strongest of the um, protege projects albums. At least one of the strongest. It's a really good record start to finish, and it's a shame that it didn't do better. But, yeah, it was good to see her. She was in Purple Rain, obviously. It was good to see her back in this one. I thought she had a good role. I thought that, uh, you know, she was featured. I like the, the, the scene where, you know, when she's leaving and, you know, he's like, what are you doing? He, she stops. She pulls her underwear down, <laughs> steps out of him, <laughs> shoots him to look. Like, basically, I'm going over to Mars' spot. We done. <laughs> it's a so comic scene. Yeah, man. And she, you know, Jill is, I, I consider her one of his soldiers. You know, she was one that was there and uh, whatever role and task, she sang a lot of background vocals on a bunch of tracks. I, I never got a chance to hear her full project all the way through, but all I heard was good things about it. So I, I might have to do some digging to search that out because I really never uh, searched it out. But now that Chris has made that comment, I think I'm going to have to do some digging. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Okay. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, the 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 okay, you want to talk about her? I mean, but both of those both both of them just hit it on the nail. Uh, you know, Jill's been there from you know 1999, probably even really even before that, you know, and beyond. And she's always kind of been there as this unsung soldier of the Prince camp. We've heard her voice so many times from 
you know, glamorous life to 1999 to parts of Take Me With You, like so many songs, you know. And, uh, you know, I think that role, it's almost, if it kind of almost feels like a little bit of the, the little bit of role she had in Purple Rain too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that same type of, that same type of character. But I think, yeah, I think, of course, she was the strongest, one of the strongest one. Because really by this time, Ingrid Chavez was over it all. She was ready to roll. And you can clearly see that in her performance. That's what I was going to say. Okay, so we got the, she's the weakest link in this movie. She, she, she looked like she was spun around in a circle and they said, uh, you know, let's start it. Cause she looked dizzy and, and disoriented through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> she, she looked like she could barely, yeah. It's like she, uh, I think that like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ingrid Chavez was supposed to have a lesbian relationship with Sandra Bernhardt. And then Sandra Bernhardt had a fight with Madonna and, Madonna had a lesbian love uh, with her. She had an album out that I think Madonna produced, um, and it was a dud. And then uh, right now, I was just on uh, Questlove, and she was with um, Jesse Johnson. They're together forever. So, so all that stuff might have been media hype at the time, just to prove her as a, a an artist. But well, she was a pretty she was a pretty girl, but she was not talented. Well, you know that she wrote. Justify My Love with Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. So there was a big deal about that. And Prince tried to basically tell her, this is how you want to handle that. And, um, you know, you know, but yeah, there was a big, there was a big falling out about between Lenny and Ingrid about Justify My Love. Because if you listen to the song, you kind of hear her voice a little bit on the song. Uh, I don't know what her voice is because I know that Love Machine. You know her voice from Love Sexy. Okay, right. Rain is wet, sugar is sweet. She has a single, and it was, it was probably never released as a single, but she has a song. It's like a poetry spoken word piece yeah. called Heaven. Uh, Heaven yeah. knows or something like that. That yeah. shit is hot. Okay, believe me, it's hot. Uh, I got yeah. this record. It was. It's called New Power Generation. Prince and them took over a radio station in Minneapolis. It's a three LP. They do commercials and stuff. They do their own commercials. One of the commercials is like, yo, get them Levi jeans so you can walk your ass on up out of here, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know her voice. Yes. The song is bad. You know her voice. The song is bad. She's all over Love Sexy. She's all over Love Sexy. She doesn't really have good things to say about her Prince experience, though. Like, right now. During that filming, she was over. She was talking. Like Jesse was over it. She was like a lot of the cats was over it by the yeah. time it ended. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. All right. So we're into some of the highlights of the album. I totally disagree <laughs> with you about Tick Tick Bang. Bang. Yeah, that, that Tick Tick Bang was was written as a like a punkier song from the controversy time period. So nineteen eighty one. But uh I don't know. I, the the whole video with with uh on the in the street it's it's great it's a great it's a great uh part of the album i mean of the movie the 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 weirdest thing is better than the song yeah the thing is that the whole you know if you think about it if that thin veil of the narrative of like his dad is doing gospel songs he's doing gospel songs but then he's doing overtly sexual songs that are very like it, it doesn't make sense. Tick, tick, bang is another, is an example of something that doesn't fit this narrative of the movie. 
but it doesn't matter. It's awesome. And Prince has the best hair in this movie. And, yeah. And, and, I can't stop looking at it. I'm like, this. his hair is amazing. Perfect. Along with he never gave up on the heels. He wore that heels. Hair, hey, did you hear me? That hair <laughs> uh, Chris, one scene in there when he goes to see Ingrid when they're over uh, at the bridge uh, and they're doing that little walk around. He has to come down the bridge. Watch him walk down that bridge of them heels, boy. He has to watch his <laughs> step because he almost bust his ass. <laughs> This is the reason why he had to have hip surgery, wearing those yeah. heels all the time and dancing. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you have any? Yeah, you know, I, I think that that song works better during the controversy period, honestly. I, I just, I think it's, you know, it, it works sort of as a sort of new wave ditty, kind of like, almost like Jack You Off or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, I think that the lyrics are embarrassing and just dreadful <laughs> I, I really do i, I, I just think it. it's, it's i you know i i think it would have been better left in the vault honestly it's very it's one of the print songs that i say that about you know when i was a little kid like dirty mind was like i must have been like 15 or whatever when i heard dirty mind so the fact that you know he's saying dirty things was really cool um tick tick bang is in that headspace of a 15 year old kid mm. where i was like yeah he's like saying bad stuff <laughs> but I think he had gone sort of beyond that by that time. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the the question of you is is oh. uh, a, a song from like the the parade time period. Why it didn't oh. make the album, I don't know. I think it's a great song. What I get out of it's it, a great it, song. it, it's a swirling like uh, like like there's a song on, on Sergeant Pepper, um, the benefit for Mister Kite at the end where it turns into this cacophony of like carnival music and it swirls around a little i like mm -hmm. i get that towards the end of this song where it, there's a there, there's a whole different like uh element that's spinning around on this song that you don't expect um it's very very cerebral it's it's a, a heady it's a heady song it's a beautiful and, song it's, it's one of the best on the record sir i put you, that the two of them i put together is the question of you enjoying repetition because they're definitely yeah. blues based you got that nice, you know, kind of hypnotic head nod thing going. The lyrics are just seminal. They're just perfect. And the perfect. fact how he juxtaposed them in the movie, they the minute you see the movie, you have to like those songs because they are so pivotal to the, the movie. Yes, exactly. Those those two songs in particular are, are masterpieces, in my opinion. Um, two of his best studio recordings. And the question of you was actually, um, it was going to be the single um, until... Thieves in the Temple was a late addition. Um, Question of You for a while was, was going to be the first single, so he obviously thought very highly of it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he didn't put it out because I don't think people would have grabbed I think we love it, of course. I don't yeah. think it's one of them songs that the masses would gravitate to. I think you're right. Thieves in the Temple. That's yeah, why I think you're right. Damn. You yeah. play Thieves in the Temple, my wife loses her mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, do you have any questions, Darnell? Do you have any thoughts on Question of You? Because we'll go right into Joy and uh, Repetition. Like, of course, it's definitely one of the. It's one of the flat for Prince fans and for Prince heads. It's one of the flagship songs of that soundtrack. That enjoying repetition, um, you know, like it's just genius. They, I, I agree with them. I can see uh, joy and repetition being played live because it is, it is a bluesy kind of thing, where you could just blow that out into uh, guitar solos, bass solos, drums, yes. like. Yeah. Uh, and it's love me like it's awesome um 
doesn't fit the album, which is weird, but it's good. Well, I think it would have fit the album better if he had left off the, you know, protege band material. If you think about it, you know, Elephants and Flowers, Question of You, Join Repetition, Weak and Funk, they all kind of vibe together, you know, can't stop feeling this feeling I got, especially side one. You know, side two goes off in a sort of different direction, but, you know, I think I think it fits. Um, yeah, I think it's a great song. I, I think of... Flowers is my sleeper song. That's the song of the first time I heard it, I fell out. I love that record. I just love the sound of it. I, I just like the, the lyrical content because it's quirky enough that you just can't listen to it and go, oh, I get it. You got to listen to it several times. And I, I didn't think about that, Chris. That's a great point. If you were to take those two uh, records and separate them, listen to one side, kind of absorb it, and then go in and listen to the second side, uh, th- I do think side one would be the stronger uh, record. And then side two, you'd hear it in, because it's got a little bit more of the other uh, connected to it. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Do you feel that Elephants and Flowers is uh, similar to Starfish and Coffee? Just With the name, quirkiness? Yes, the name I play. Yeah. Um, okay, so Gr- the Thieves in the Temple doesn't make sense. I don't know what it means. What is Thieves in the Temple? Uh, is it Thieves of your heart? Like people going after your heart or your money or something? Um, and and uh, I don't know. The the one thing is that the the movie has an extended dance piece that you don't see in the regular video, and it is fantastic. And again, Prince's hair is amazing. Prince's <laughs> dance moves are amazing. Um, the cor- choreography is amazing. The you know it's it's a stellar like it's a A plus video in my opinion. Shout, I, I, out, shout out to Paula Abdul. Is that who did it? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's it's a total win. Um, he had a lot of like over, I don't know if that's like, it's a, it's a female, females used to have like uh, a, like kind of a open thing around the, the, the chest where it would drag down one side. He had a lot of that going on. I know that there's a name for it, but <laughs> off the flash shoulder. Dance. Flash dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> flash dance. Yeah. yeah. He had a lot of that going on. A uh, lot of leggings. <laughs> um, anyone, anyone talk about themes of the temple? I think it's biblical. Yes. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is... yeah. Like he's always had mad biblical references in his music. So I think it's biblical. I think it's dual also, Darnell. I think it's biblical. because He's talking about thieves in the temple from a religious aspect. But mm-hmm. I also think he's talking about this is my girl and you guys are trying yeah. to check out. Yeah, that's so exactly thieves right. In the temple. That's right. I think it's dual because he has that spiritual and his, you know, the yeah. human sensual side. <laughs> He's great. He's great. He was great with that. He was yes, great man. with that. And that had a great uh, extended remix also. On the, on the, it was it was really good. Which I have on vinyl. I don't have that. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number six in the pop chart, number one in R&B. Um, it was um, in 1989, 1990. That song was nothing like anything else in the top 40. It just had a different sound, different vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was often true for Prince. I mean, thinking about Alphabet Street, you know. Yeah, um, yeah he nothing. Nothing. You that song. Herbie Hancock, he did an album called New Standards. He did a cover version of These in the Temple and reinterpreted. Woo! Yeah, oh, I gotta try that. <laughs> he picked it, made me go like, what? Uh, okay, so 
or or gets uh, killed by a car, a truck. Uh, they almost get rid of the the grand, grand slam. the The whole world's in disarray, and Prince comes out and sings. Uh, still would stand, stand, still would stand the time, or still would stand all time. Stand all time. Still would stand all time. I can't read my writing. Um, this is very similar to like the cross or the, his, his spiritual songs. So yeah, yeah um, it's beautiful. It's just around the corner. Like that was one of the themes about the whole movie. It's just around the corner. Uh, yeah, it's a great ballad, a big, you know, the steels are on it. The production, boring. the vocal arrangements, amazing. And I just remember from the small club bootleg when they did it in the, uh, a live performance, you know, in like I think '87 or '88, um, his band played it in a small club um, after show, and it was on one of those famous bootlegs. And okay. um, Bonnie Boyer was singing on it. Yeah. That was fantastic. What can we talk about Bonnie Boyer? Is she she's on uh, the New Power Generation, and she's a vocal on the Graffiti Bridge. Why why do I love her so much? And um, why did she go away? Where is she? I love what? her. She was on Love Sexy. Heavy. She was she was in the Love Sexy band, and um, I, I'm not sure if she was on Graffiti Bridge or not. She probably was on some of the um, maybe some of the tracks were recorded, you know, previously. I I'm think, tell you, uh, Tom, there is nothing like when you looked at Rosie and when you looked at Bonnie. There is nothing like a diva who has. The soul of a blues uh, artist with the marrying of the gospel, yet can carry the jazzy inflections of pop. Yeah. And yeah. they're musicians on top of that. So they have musical sensibility. Yeah. And the tone, the, to- the, the person who I love, who has a tone that would make you think like that is Mesa Leak, who came out the band Incognito. Yeah. They have that, that kind of sound. The minute they open their mouths, you stop what you're doing and you got to turn around and go, what? That's what she has. And yeah. Prince had the foresight to put them on tracks that showcase that ability to the nines. So th- that was the greatest thing that he did. Uh, I even believe that I got a solo record by Rosie uh, that, that she yeah. did. And uh, just it, it don't hit the same way that the stuff she did with him hits, you know, because uh-huh. his music was that much more uh, uh, seminal. So that's what I think you're feeling. Uh, You feel all those things that she delivers as an artist. Rosie and Bonnie. I think Bonnie might have put out a solo record. Um, But she, you know, she mostly did like, she mostly continued to do session work. And, um, you know, she worked a lot with Raphael Sadiq, uh, you know, strange. But of course, Raphael Sadiq worked a lot, you know, in the early days with Sheila E. Sheila E, yeah. Um, Rosie passed away, right? Yeah, Bonnie passed away. One of the Bonnie, last things. Rosie, okay. One of the last things that I think that most people would probably recognize that she did was the total song um, "Kissing." Okay. Those are her vocals. Okay. On that oh, song. okay. Yeah. See, you know, those girls couldn't really sing. Yeah. 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 Total, yeah. Total. <laughs> they weren't. Sorry, I didn't say that. Bro. I didn't say that. I mean, you know, they have personality. There you go. But those those vocals are Bonnie Boyer's vocals. Well, thank you. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, Graffiti Bridge is the soundtrack song. I love this song. 
I, I find it has a, a gospel and a classical. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, obviously. Yes, I, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, I like but, that. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's listen. Falling. I scream it in the car like all the time. And even like uh, uh, I told you I'm obsessed with this album. So it's not that this stuff is not too far from my heart. This song is uplifting. Um, everyone wants to be a graffiti bridge, a love of a boy, a love of a girl. It sounds like a, a Mentos commercial right there. It's real kind of corny. And it, it, so, I mean, this the song just kind of conjures up a lot of lot of stuff. Uh, and then I listen to like, okay, there's Tevin, there's Mavis, like there there's there's uh, voices coming in. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a great song. It doesn't make sense, but it wraps up the whole album. That doesn't really make sense. But everyone wants to be a graffiti bridge. Chris, Christian, what do you think of uh, graffiti bridge? Yeah, I, you know, I like it. I think it's a cute song. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, you know, you can't really take it too seriously. It's a fun song. It's got some really pretty vocals in it. Um, yeah, I mean, it serves its purpose well. It's 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 not trying to be like Purple Rain. You know, the, the theme song, the the title track. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad he did that approach because he wouldn't have been able to, you know, he wouldn't have been able to try to come up with something on par with that, obviously. So he went in a different direction, which is a smart thing to do, something he did, he's always sort of done and be able to pivot those kinds of things. So, um, instead of trying to recreate it, um, something that's not recreatable, he did something sort of off the wall and and goofy. And I I think it worked. Oh, it does work. Alvin, what did you think? I think it's just perfect what he said. It's it's graffiti bridge. It's the bridge through all these themes and songs. I actually like the lyrics of that song uh, because, like, you hit it. It's uplifting. It's got that good vibe to it. You still have those nice little choruses in it. And when it breaks down with that, da, 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 ha, oh, it almost sounds like uh, the Oompa Loompas from The Wizard of Oz. Where you <laughs> kind of get that happy, joyous feeling. Remember, we just killed a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> killed a woman. Uh, so now we got to get you back. We got to bring this thing back and, and kind of uh, get you over that home. So yeah. I, I do like the song. I really do. <laughs> uh, Darnell, what, what's your thoughts about it? <laughs> Remember, we just killed a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's right. That's so right. I like yeah. I I love the vibe of it. I love that it's so thematic. I the, when I first hear like the intro, like I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. You know what I mean? Like I love everything about it. I love all the voices coming together. It feels like you know we're gonna wrap. We're gonna we're wrapping this up. You know, in this one song, I love it. I love all the. I love the movements. Um, you know, I love it when Prince stuff like that, and I love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know. You know. Well, Darnell, it, let me get, let me hear you. You love the song, right? I do. <laughs> yeah. No, I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the, the it's goofy. It it, rep, it reps the whole movie, the whole thing, and it's a feel good thing. You, if you don't walk away from the movie, you know, feeling like this song, then the movie didn't do its job. Um, it is, you know, now we're looking at a, a thirty-one years. Oh, it was a bomb. It, it, it was, uh, I think people want to hang Prince at that time period because he was so 
such an artist and so eclectic and that when when sales didn't go the way they they were back in the 80s when things actually sold they they hounded it say a failure a failure a failure but i don't look at this as a failure at all it's it's a at this point it's a it's a uh, it's a missing gem from from people's catalog i think people skip over this thinking that oh it's a soundtrack it must be terrible and it's not it's it's fantastic so that's kind of my final words on what graffiti bridges to me i'm addicted you guys know that i can't stop it i listen to this album all the time i watch the movie all the time i can't stop i'm way involved in it um kristen because i i can't see your your head bob what's your thoughts on the final uh, thoughts on this well you know i think it's a great record um i think it has a lot of strong material um <clears throat> it's a lot of older material that he sort of had been working with for years and he finally had a chance to use it um and i think it works well uh, you know the move the, the album actually got pretty good reviews when it first came out people forget you know, uh, Rolling Stone, I think, gave it an A-plus, or Entertainment Weekly gave it an A-plus and, and called it a masterpiece. It wasn't until the movie came out that the album was sort of tarnished by, you know, by, you know, uh, being associated with it. Um, but the album, I think, stands the test of time. It has a lot of strong material on it. Um, the movie, you know, it's a it's a curio. It's, it's of its time, and it's not so bad. And um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things was, it's interesting. It's never happened to me before or since. The only time this has happened, I went to the theater to see Graffiti Bridge, and I was the only person in the theater. This was uh, my junior year of high school in uh, my hometown. Yeah, Morgantown, West Virginia, my hometown. And uh, I was the only one. <laughs> I sat through the whole thing, and it was, you know, it's, it's definitely worth seeing if you're a Prince fan. Um, it's it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we... we uh with this Prince summit, we've, we've uh, turned your sour opinion to a little more positive. Uh, you can't, <laughs> we have, we have these, <laughs> these Prince fans here ganging up on you. If he's, if you're, <laughs> uh, Darnell, what's your final thoughts on graffiti bridge? I think it's a, a great moment in the journey of just Prince Prince's artistic journey. Like I, I love it. You know, when you think about Prince, sometimes when you think about his projects, you got to look at the project before it and the project that becomes at, that comes after it. And I think this is like a it's a it's a great transitional album. Um, the songs are good. I think you know, even though like a lot of them are from like you know are vaulted, I think it's still a, it's a great album. Uh, it was great to hear the time you know to hear the time on this record. Um, I think that. Production, he was definitely in the transition. You can hear like different sounds, different this, different that. Um, the movie itself, I'm, I agree with Christian. It was just, it's just fun. It's kind of fun, kind of campy. You know what I mean? And if you're a Prince fan and if you enjoy, you enjoy seeing Morris in the time, you enjoy seeing Jill, you enjoy, you, enjoy, you just enjoy it. You enjoy everything about it, you know? So, um, I, I think, uh, like I think people should definitely give it a second look. You no, know, you know, I think yeah. this is the movie and the and and the soundtrack, especially the soundtrack. Give it a second look. You know, there probably will never be a deluxe version of this album come out, but I just I want people to give it a second look. I actually, you know, as I obsess on this, I want to see like a stage version of this, like with the whole storyline. With the dance, I mean, I, it's fantastic. I, I think 
I mean, there's so many bad plays out there that like, you know, there's no reason that this can't be, you know, just a, a full two hour fun packed entertainment thing. I think it's great. Um, Albin, uh, what, what's your final on, on the graffiti bridge? I would say if it was a play, at least, you know, the music would be good. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I have to tell you, you know, sometimes it, when you really, really uh, love and respect the artist. It's hard to be critical sometimes. Uh, so when I look at the Prince movies, this was my last movie uh, from one through four. I said Purple Rain was my favorite, Sign of the Times, which is my favorite album in his collection. Uh, that's my favorite record. Then Under the Cherry Moon, because he was not playing himself. He was playing a different character. And then here comes Graffiti Bridge. And Graffiti Bridge is a part two to Purple Rain. And it has, if you could separate them, and we had never seen Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge would have been given a little bit more of a chance. But because we saw Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge really had to struggle because we're comparing them to what we saw the first time out. But I thought they, they had some good characters in it. Uh, for these guys not to be actors, you know, he was able to take his friends, in essence, and put them in a movie, and they grossed $5 million. <laughs> okay. And uh, the plot could use a little bit more help. Uh, I think Christian said it, the, uh, the, the cinematography on and the, the stage settings, uh, they, they weren't that bad, you know? You could, and you said you could see it was shot at the soundstage, you know? It wasn't like he went to, a, a, you know, one of the theater, uh, the, the lots in L.A. And, and, and did something there. So, you know, for what he worked with and what he had, I just am appreciative of the fact that this was his vision. Uh, he was able to take the vision from out of his brain and, and bring his friends along with him and say, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And then, oh, by the way, I have this uh, songs to go along with it. And the songs is what helped this movie go. And Definitely. I think Christian hit the nail on the head. The record came out first, and the record was ascending. The movie came out, it hit, and it dropped. And the record said, whoop, it started sliding down behind it. So it shows you how that video age really started uh, impacting what we uh, how we ingest our, our, our product now as consumers. So for me personally, a movie, I watched it yesterday just so I could be up on what I saw. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I really sat down and watched it yesterday and I had it lower rated when I had watched it from years back. I actually really raised it up because I started appreciating because I started noticing all the little things that I probably didn't pay attention to. Mm -hmm. The soundtrack is still one of my favorites. As we said, the question of you and joy and repetition the stuff that time does is just lethal, lethal, yeah. okay? Round and round, get your kids in there. Mavis and with the gospel, you get a little, uh, 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 the eclecticness that we love them for is all displayed on that project. So I, I am still a huge fan of this project. I'm glad he did it. I wish he had opportunity to do a couple more. So at least we have some footage that we can see him, where we can see him doing other things than just being Prince. We get to see him walking, talking, speaking in ways that, you know, the folks that know him see him. We didn't have that luxury all the time to be around them. Yeah. So uh, definitely worthwhile checking out. As Darnell said, folks need to give it a second look and really appreciate what he delivered at that time in 1990. Yeah. Also, watch, like, they have these Easter eggs now. There's a big blow-up uh, Crisco bottle that's behind... Like, yeah, Teal dancing in the side. You have them doing shake by uh, uh, the time. There's fire uh, blow going everywhere. And then on the left-hand side, there's this big Crisco bottle. Why it's there, I don't know. 
but it's it's big. It's about six feet high. <laughs> I think they said something. They used that line, Crisco, in the movie. There's, I've yeah. always heard them say Crisco, so maybe it's a subliminal reference to it. Yeah, who knows? And also, uh, can you live underneath uh, the floorboards of a, of a, of a studio? Of a stage. Uh, stage? Can that yes. can that happen? <laughs> I like that. I forgot about that. <laughs> Um, and again, it's a great movie, and I appreciate it. Uh, the Prince Summit has now convened. Uh, hopefully, we can do another one. I, I'm up for any discussion about Prince. Uh, obviously, I got the right three people in here who know their stuff because I have to go back and listen to what you're saying and check some of these al- these albums out that you talk about that I missed. So, we want to say thank you to uh, Kristen Gerard. Uh, has a brand new book out and uh, you know, I was promoting it and people have already finished it and the feedback has been awesome. It's the cure FAQ. All that is left to know about the most heartbreakingly excellent rock band the world has ever known just released 16 days ago. So I hope you're getting a lot of good feedback. So far so good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You have, you have Alvin Jones Jr. Is, is your son, and I keep on writing that, saying that. So it's Alvin Jones Sr. Uh, from East Orange. He has a band called Flip the Script. He's uh, brother AJ, um, and he lives his life on Facebook. If you want to see how 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 blessed and how fun his life is, it's, it's displayed page by page on his Facebook page. He's always doing something, always smiling, and always moving. And uh, we, we're glad that I got to connect with you. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime. I'm appreciative that you folks have me. And uh, it'd be nice one day we get together face-to-face and we can have drinks and have this discussion live in person. Yeah. yeah I'm, a, I'm actually, would be nice, uh, now that I moved back to Baltimore, I just had this great idea. If we could somehow get, uh, look, I'm, I'm friends at the Outer Bar, that we could do a, a four-man DJ set where we play Prince Battle of the Bands. <laughs> Oh, I love that. How cool oh, would God. that be? <laughs> the the Prince Summit, this this jockey, and everyone gets like three or five, three to four songs, and then we we flip it, and then the next person gets it. <laughs> See how we do. <laughs> uh, Darnell Miller, the, the genre buster, uh, still one of my biggest. When uh, when uh, one of my sites, he's number three as one of the most listened to shows of all time it's still up there i i don't know where people are finding it but they want it you've done a lot of work for me the 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 top female uh singers of all time male artists all the time you talked about your ep that's amazing and uh you know you can do everything you know we appreciate i love you it's really i I wish i could (laughs) it's hard it's hard to get you but when i do i want to lock you in so, you know, this is an open invite. You're always welcome back to Something Came From Baltimore. Uh, all of you guys, I'd like to hear your voices again. Definitely. All right, good. All right, we're done. Thanks, guys. I think this was fun. Thanks. It's good to I talk w- to you guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have recorded ahead of time. I'm going to have to edit it, but I'm going to put the, this out all on YouTube, but I'm going to, and that'll be like a day, but then okay. I'm going to, we're going to edit this up. This is going to go on the, the thing. The, on my, something came from Baltimore. Okay. This, this is too important. Not to be, I, I want as many ears to talk about uh, Graffiti Bridge as possible. I'm going to get this album back. <laughs> I'm going to get this album back on the, uh, the, the top 200. All right. <laughs> there you go. Exactly.
<laughs> we'll help you. We'll be behind you pushing. Make them do a re-release. Yeah. If you guys want to come up with another idea, uh, we're all on Facebook together as a group. I, mm-hmm. I'm, up, I'm up for that. Obviously, you guys know more than I do. So, um, you know, we'll have to figure out something. Cool. Yeah, we lo- we lost. Happy to meet you, cats. That's all. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. There's nothing nothing better to do than talk about Prince on a, a Sunday afternoon. On a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> now, I will say I do have a little beef with you there, brother Tom. What's that? That Super Bowl you stole from my Giants. You got the nerve to be sitting there with that shirt on. I'm not <laughs> to delete you off my screen, man. I'm, uh-huh. I'm not feeling the love. You know that was that, that was weird, wasn't it? The that you're talking the the power went out after Beyonce's uh, uh, halftime show, and the the mood completely changed when they came back and they just dominated. Yeah, man. Uh, that yeah, was crazy. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird thing that a whole stadium could just lose power like that. Yeah. You know? I have a good friend down there. So, of course, we bet. And we bet, you know, whoever loses got to buy the other uh, a shirt of their team, not no little chintzy shirt. Oh, my God. And I think back then, we didn't have Facebook like we have now. So, boy, she just killed me. So, <laughs> I had to send her, I sent her a nice Baltimore Ravens uh, sweatshirt. So, absolutely, yeah. man. All in good fun. It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was it was actually a great Super Bowl. One of the, uh, like, uh, from beginning to end, it was really great. So we'll see how we do this year. We're, you know, they're a little worried about last week, but we'll see. I'm very optimistic. Mm. And for the Giants, you just have a, you can sleepwalk through this year. <laughs> Nothing's gonna happen. If you drop fifty four on the Jets, we might give up sixty six. Yeah, yeah, painful. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Like it's like music. Talking sports is like music. It's the same thing. It's yeah, same thing. Something to talk about. If you guys wanted to do another thing, can you think of anything else? Oh, uh, Prince related? Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, man! We, you can do a whole thing on the proteges, you know? Yeah, yeah, you could. I, I feel bad for almost each and every one of them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You know, from you know the ones the ones that came out, the ones that didn't come out. You know, all of that. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to do uh, a, a series on go-go music. Uh, oh, wow. I, yeah, I want to do like a like a ten part like mini series. Like now that I'm back in Baltimore, yeah. like go-go. Like I've I've re- reached out to some people from DC who wants to do like you know, an extensive on, on the, the, what happened and why they were so high and why it went away. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a project that I felt that, that's you know, good. we could look at once this beetle thing goes away. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the, 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 the go-go groove. Like to me, it, it, you know, we may not call it go-go anymore, but it still rears its head in music. You'll hear it. Creep up in songs because that the way that that groove sits, you can't get away from that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, you can imitate it now, and and not no one knows it's go go. Yes. Yeah. So yes. that that's how you get away with it, especially with these drum patterns. You know, these the, the, these beats that are you know prefab, but yeah. the the energy level is is just lost. Like it's it's a social experience. It's not. It's not something you hear on 
like a go-go album sucks, but being in a go-go concert is amazing. And that's how... Make it, because I know DC really had the, the pulse of it. Did it migrate up to Baltimore also? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, because up here in Jersey, it didn't yeah. hit like that because we would have, you know, Jersey's all about that Jersey club. I always yeah. feel like I'm in the wrong state because I'm not really the club man. I'm like that funk R&B kind of cat, and uh-huh. is like my shit. So uh, the go-go thing that couldn't crack through here because that Jersey club is like there's a wall right at the, the, the gate. You cross mm-hmm. over from the next state, hit Jersey, it's like leave your music here. This is yeah. what you listen to. See, uh, go-go is not, it's more about community. So it's like okay. the people in, in D.C. were a community and they all like, they get it. They know what's going on. But then you like have to transplant that to another location and say, Hey guys, it's about community and people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I like so it that's kind of where it kind of loosed itself, I think. And then okay. um Chris Blackwell from Island Records, Island, he can Island Records, yeah. He can he can ruin everything, you know. The, the he yeah. He he takes the Sly and Robbie and turns them into like really shitty artists. But you know, he took it and then he he uh um, watered it down, and then people are like, "Oh, go go music's hot." And then they listen to sound. They're like, "Wow, this is not hot at all. This is really not, cool. yeah." The, the the vibe is not there. Yeah, yeah. No. So I think you have to explain it. It's like a deadhead experience. Like when you go to a dead, it's not really the band; it's the overall experience, and that's what go go is. Okay, and, I like that's a good analogy. Yeah, and and I think. That I wish they would do Go Go Month like they do New Orleans, like a February, where all the artists of New Orleans finally get to go out around the country, and then they kind of feature them in clubs. Okay. That they would they would pick a Go Go Month and say October's Go Go Month, and they're all over that America. Is so dope. Yeah, I wish I had some money. I would I'd set it up. Yeah, yeah. so dope. Because I saw Chuck Brown and the Soul Searches, and I saw Trouble Funk. And, uh, you know, so obviously he's a drummer. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That drum and percussion thing was mm-hmm. like, it, it, I just couldn't stop shaking because the rhythms are just so, it's the syncopation of the rhythm was just amazing to me. Yeah, and it's like a wall of sound. I saw uh, two years ago on New Year's Eve, it was Trouble Funk, um, George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars. And Ooh. then the headliner was uh, Trombone Shorty. Oh, Trombone oh, Shorty. Yeah. I listen. I didn't know Trombone Shorty, so uh-huh. one of the cats called me, said, uh, "AJ, I got tickets to a show." I said, "All right, let's go." I went there. Oh my god! I brought yeah. everything the cat had. I was like, "Yo, yeah, that them horns is like for real, man." Now you see why Prince started going back to horns towards the end. Yeah, because you know that power, that brass. When you got cats that can play that, there ain't nothing like it. And of yeah. course, him coming from New Orleans, you know, we kind of get the the horns. In arrangements, but the, yeah. it's, it's the feel of what they have in New Orleans. You can't replicate that. That's no. what they have. They bring that to you and give it to you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's, I, he's a young dude. You know, it's like a, a young dude bringing that style out. Yeah, he's a superstar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, he's well, well polished. Like, like the lighting and the the solos, everything's timed yeah. out, and and it doesn't yeah, matter. And the, the people in his band are like stellar. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. All right, I'm glad we agree, guys. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I don't know I, how did how did Christian get on here and hate uh, Graffiti Bridge? I was like, wait a minute, 
<laughs> but I think oh, we no. turned him around by the end of the, 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 the conversation. I think <laughs> that you, you need that because he will make him he'll say something and you'll be like, you know, I didn't think of it that way. You know, then we'll say something. He'll be like, okay, I can go with that. So I, I thought he'd be some great points he interjected. Yeah. Well, he, he's, it's right. There's some, there's the, there should have been an overall arching like producer for the film and movie and the soundtrack that was able to clean yeah. and a clean vision. Cause I think yeah. when you're, when you're an artist and you're the director, producer, writer, and you do the soundtrack, you're, you're, you have to step away. From, you can't, Step away from the project. You're everywhere, and 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 obviously Prince is not willing to do that. So, but if he was able to do that, someone would have came in and, and kind of clean off the the, the rough edges. Mm-hmm. And you know what you got is a pretty mess, which it's a you know it's a great um, Prince reference. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen the original idea, like the original that was totally separated and different from any type of Purple Rain sequel. I would have loved to have seen that. Like, you know, him playing a role. um, I think Melody Cool was already in it, but, you know, Madonna's character, I think her name was Ruthie or something. I would have loved to have seen, even if it wasn't Madonna, if he had went with that and, you know, maybe because Kim Basinger turned it down too. You know what I mean? So I think I would have loved to have seen that idea. Like, what was he thinking of? He, you know, he didn't really because he couldn't get the funding to continue the idea unless he pitched it as a sequel, you know, yeah. thus bringing the time in. And then with the time in, it was kind of shady, too, because he, uh, you know, the time had already been kind of talking about getting back together yeah. and there being a film just about the time. About the time, yes. Right. And so Prince, they don't know if Prince got wind of that yep. or whatever. I think we, he put the kibosh on it. Yeah, we don't know. Much like Michael and Jermaine, uh-huh. Jermaine's LaFace deal. You know, <laughs> I, we, you know, but something that happened and Prince was like, oh, I'm going to put you in this movie. And then they ended up still being the side band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame that they were so tight on that leash because yeah, man. It, like they are, they, they, they it, if they if they were able to expand on the uh, the ice cream castle time period, the that next album could have put them in a whole different league. And uh, well, I mean they fractured, but it would have been interesting to see what oh, yeah. Yeah. what they could have, what they could have done. You listen, look at the cats in that band. Okay, you got Jimmy Jam and you got Monty Moore on keyboards. They're covering everything you need to cover. Okay, Jesse on guitar, please. I, I love Jesse's style. I got friends that don't like his style. I love Jesse. I don't know what you're talking about. He got a project he dropped called Verbal Penetration. Oh, he's a genius. Double CD. That shit is like crazy. Then you got Terry Terry Lewis on bass. Terry to me is the he's the father of the group. He's the guy to me that kind of kept all those guys together. He's mm-hmm. the one that really gave them the structure that they needed. Uh, Jelly being on drums. Now remember originally, Morris would have been the drummer. Yeah. Alex O'Neill would have been the singer. Alex did, told Prince the money ain't right. Prince said, take a hike. Morris, come off the drums, come up front. Who knew Morris was going to be the front man? Yeah. Morris was the classic front man they needed to yeah. make this band go. The only yeah. guy who they could have got away without having is Jerome. But after you yeah. see him do what he do, you need Jerome. Because yeah. he's that committee foil to make this thing go. That unit right there is perfect. 
That is the, that's the time, okay? And if you would let them, clearly the genius of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, uh, the, the stuff that Morris could deliver, and obviously what, uh, what Jesse could deliver, if you would let those guys make their own records, oh, God. Uh, yeah. We just got yeah, tasted that with I, Pandemonium and with the original seven. Yeah, I think he should have let it, you know, I think, you know, I mean, I understand what Prince was trying to do, but at the same time, like, this you is a monster. It. He created that monster. Yeah. <laughs> so, go. Like, just guide that, now guide that monster. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to control it so much that it imploded. And to this day, they, they, even to this day, they really, I mean, they really, and even Prince said this in one of his last interviews. The t- like the the time always gets in the way of the time. Think about it. They really can't. Like you will probably never see the original seven. Yes, it'll be six. Yes, and it won't be seven. Because one be person will always be like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> if, if Morris ain't there, it's not the time. Well, Morris is always going to be there. Yes, so he has to always be there. Yeah. Then you could build around him, but if he ain't there, it ain't the time. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Like with uh, the touring Morris right now, who who's in it? He has uh, it's Morris Day and the time. Who's in the time right now when they tour? Jelly Bean is still there. Jelly, it's a different bass player. Yeah, different bass player. I think it's, but he's 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 been there for a long time. Yeah, Monty is in and, him and Terry will play together. Yeah, Monty's yeah. been in and out. Monty pop in and out. Yep, Jelly Bean's there. Tori, Tori yes, Robson on guitar, see. who's been there for a long time. Yes, yes. I think Tori used to play for Maserati. Oh, oh, that's him. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I think Tori used to play for Maserati. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yes. And I, I don't know who, I know they have another, a young boy on keys. I don't know. I've just seen him, but yeah. Yeah. You know, they, you know. I mean, that's not my song. I was blessed to see Terry. Terry came to that show. There was no Jimmy Jam, but Terry yeah, came out. He played yeah. the show. Matter of fact, they opened for uh, George Clinton, well, for the Parliament Funkadelic crew. So it was nice to see Terry come back for that. But, you know, they, that's a brand that they can use. Yeah. But I, like you said, I wish the original would all come back. But given Jimmy and Terry's schedule and all the things they do, I understand their part of it. But that's their legacy. That's their history. And, uh, you know, but they, so they always down. They, the one that yeah, you'll they, never see, you'll never see Jesse. Jesse will never do it. Jesse. I, well, I want him to just keep doing his own thing because I think yeah. Jesse's such underrated, underrated talent. And I just think yeah. that Prince really needed to come off his high horse. He needed to let these cats do what they do. Yeah. And he, he just really, even think about the revolution, okay? The revolution, they're out performing without Prince. And I'm happy that these folks get a chance to go out and show what they can do. A lot of people shit on the revolution because they don't believe they actually could play as well as they would, because they're playing with well, material. Raphael, <laughs> Raphael Sadiq just said, he just said that the Revolution was the best band that Prince ever had. You know? Prince, I, I I would love, you, I, I'm a fan of John Blackwell. I love, listen, Rhonda Smith, yes. Ina, like, all of those cats are amazing. Yes. But what the Revolution had, like, I would say it to you this way, Darnell. The Revolution played the songs that made us love Prince. Mm-hmm. Yes. But my God, when you see John Blackwell, listen, love him. Bobby Z can't carry his 
stick back. Of course. Okay? I, listen, when you see Rhonda, Rhonda's bad, but I, I would give her neck and neck, you know, with, 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 with Brown Mark. Because but Brown, but you know what, Brown Mark? That's bad. a cold dude. Yeah, he's bad. People, they sleep on Brown Mark. Lisa he's Coleman? Cold. Lisa is bad. So she can yeah. hold her own. Lisa and Wendy can hold their own with the other cats. Listen, think about it. Renato, all those keyboard players, they mirror Lisa. Like they're he's playing her part. Lisa is like the prototype. Yes. I just think the difference with those guys, especially a guy like Renato, because he yep. plays a, a funky other band that he's with. The guy, mm-hmm. he's a genius, you know? But the glue is, is Dr. Fink. Dr. Fink is that dude. He, like, between him and Bobby Z, so what we know as Pro Tools now, like, yes. Bobby Z created that. Yeah. <laughs> he had to. They and triggers, like drum they had to triggers. you, we're going to make it up. Yeah, drum triggers, like Bobby Z created that because he had to. He had to. Chris was so demanding. Yes, and like, that's, that's what I'm saying. programming and all of that. Dr. Yes. Fink created that. It, it got to sound like the record. It's got to yeah. sound like the record, you know? So yeah. I think that was the problem that Prince had because he kept such a tight rein on that band. And I think the time, he, he wouldn't let them do what they did. So that's why they mm-hmm. left. When he got to this next phase, when he created NPG and these next mm-hmm. phases of the band, he loosened up the reins a little bit because now he also now was a superstar. Nobody's going to challenge him. And he allowed them to bring to the music what they would bring. But when you hear... Like, if you listen to those first two Wendy and Lisa records... Oh, I love that. Yes, you go. You you go, you know what? They're all over those... That's them all over those Prince records. The colors. You can feel the colors they put in. Like, you hear and then go back and listen to those records, you're like, yeah, that's exact... Like, that was all them. And let's listen. And we can't forget this, either. He had this... And he had Andre Simone. And he had Andre Simone, one of the coldest bass players. You know, oh, I mean, first of all, he created the bass line for look, Looking for a New Love. That's one of the craziest <laughs> bass lines I've ever heard in my life. Jody like, Wiley, yeah. That's, that's just a crazy bass line. Yeah, man. So, and, and no, nobody's disputing that Prince was the epicenter of all of that. Without him, yeah. none of that would have jumped off the way it would. I don't even know if Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis would have been able to springboard out to become oh, yeah. the guys they yeah. were because he had them in his camp and he cooked them to get them to where they needed to be. Before yeah, they, 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 they learned that. Out. Yeah, they he, learned. he was that dude. He he had all that. Basically, he could have said, guess what? I don't need none of you SOBs. I'll do it myself. <laughs> okay? Because he did. Yeah. Then he said, well, nobody want to see me stand on a stage and point that button at that black box, point at that black box, I need people behind me. And if I'm happy you behind me, oh, stop. What did you just do there? That ain't the way I need it. You got to do it. Oh, you ain't do Come over here. Walk up to the keyboards. Let me show you how this shit go. Play that. Okay? That's what he did. That's what he did. Yeah. I, I just interviewed uh, Frank McComb. Um, oh, yes. The keyboard cat. Yeah. Did he, did, he tell yeah. You his, did he tell you his story? Yeah, he told a Prince story. He's oh. like... Did he tell you why he ended up not being in the camp? Uh, well, he told me a couple stories. Okay. <laughs> he he said that he okay. He said he said that um that he really enjoyed with Prince because Prince would would work them for twelve uh, fourteen hours straight, and that that was something he enjoyed. He also said that he uh, if you came at him at as a fan, 
he really had no no tolerance for you. But if you were as a just a regular person, and uh, he he respected that. <clears throat> he said that he was pressing his own records in the back room, yeah. and while they were playing, his wife was in a in a room, and he because now Frank's an independent artist, so his wife was pressing records while they were performing, and, and Prince was like, "Like, what the fuck is going on back here?" And he goes, "Well, I'm just pressing records." And and uh, he thought that it would be a problem, but Prince went back there and helped him put the CDs into the like the vinyl things. And he said to him, "You know, you need to have your own, um, and like a, you have to have your own logo. You have to have your own image. You got to have this. Yeah, every artist has to have kind of stamps." So he gave him some some stuff, but he didn't say why he's not with them. So, but he did say that that there was he thought he was going to get fired just for. Pressing his own albums while he's while he's performing. Oh, no. Why would you get? Oh, wait, you no, it, 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 you got to tell us now. Involved. Huh? There was a female involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, Frank's a good-looking guy, and he sounds like well. It's weird because in the last like two three weeks, um, his name popped up, and then I started listening to his stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I, Dead I Ringer, yes. uh, Donny Hathaway slash Stevie yeah. Wonder. Awesome keyboard player, yeah. uh, uh, totally underrated. And I was going through all his, like his, you know, I said to him, I said, the one thing that's good about you is that your, your music never dropped off. You're, you're hot as you were in the nineties, as you are now, you're like still, you know, p- putting really awesome stuff together. So, but he's a talker. So he was, we talked for like an hour and a half. And, I, and once I edit it, I'm going to put it all out there, but good. I um, like to hear that. Good. yeah, I can imagine it was a girl. Yeah, it was so. a, there was a female involved. <laughs> Listen, if the boss is paying you, you can't take the girl unless he tells you you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we still unless don't you know go to marry he, her, then you take her. But we still don't know why he got rid of Tamar though. We don't. We don't. Have you have you, have you heard that album? Tamar on the scene. Yeah, I got that. I got that vinyl record. Don't talk about um, this chick that Prince had. Prince was taking this girl around the country named Tamar, and she had an album called um, Milk and Honey. Yeah. You know, and she, I mean, she is on the 3121 record, Beautiful, Loved, and Blessed, and a couple other songs, but then, like, she has a whole album, and then, like, he was just like, peace out, and just put her album on the shelf. Yeah. And it came out with Bria Valente instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what about my other girl, uh, uh, the Judith Hill? Uh, that was with him when the time he died. I got her project. She's got that song "Angel in the, of the Dark." I, you, when you hear that, you know that's a Prince track. That's a Prince track. You know, like yeah, and Joshua, well, Joshua and Hannah co-produced that joint. Yeah. Okay, I love that song. Uh-huh. I could hear that as a Prince. I was like, yo, this is a bad. That that's song really maybe on TV. That album is, but she's bad, and she's actually again, she's a real musician. You know, oh, that, her dad is playing bass. Her mom is playing keyboards in her band. That whole era, Judith Hill, Liv Warfield, uh, Andy Allo, all those like artists that he was working with at the time. Yes. Um, of course, Third Eye Girl. Um, just that whole like he was putting out some good records, man. You know, and then of course he was putting out good stuff too. You know, yeah, that Plectrum Electrum is my shit, bro. I love that record. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a one that I would do as an overlooked. I like 
those two albums that came out together, like uh, that, that to me was peak uh, artificial print. agents. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, man. Listen, yeah. that I he, the way he snapped on those records, really good. He snapped on both of those records. Yeah, yeah man. You know, I thought I thought we were on our way to like a new renaissance where some really hot stuff was going to come out. So I like the way he did funk and roll. Where he did it. He took funk and roll. He did it with Plectrum Electrum. They did it with the live band. Then yeah. he did funk and roll on his record with the electronic sound. I was like, "Oh, that's the shit." The the just the way it's the same jam, but you can see what difference when you do it live versus doing it yourself. Yeah, man. I mean, he was putting stuff out. You know, I, you know, he was like, you know, no, you know, he had that thing with title. He was putting stuff like put a single out every week. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't, you know. for his own good. He couldn't help it. Yeah, I that I know that there was an album that he that they said he was working on. Uh, we should. We, it's called Black is the New Black. Okay, I would love to hear that. And then he was doing that whole thing with Mono. You know, Mono Neon, right? Yeah, my man, the bass player. Doing that album with him. Yeah, they said he was going to be in the next band with him allegedly. Oh yeah, yeah, man, he was. That that would have right. been insane. Okay. That would have been insane. I already know. Like, so, and let me ask you this, because uh, a lot of people don't like it. What do you think about Welcome to America? I think it's not finished. <laughs> okay. It's not that I don't like it. I think it's. It sounds like he would have more with it. He would have put it out eventually, but it just sounds like it's not finished. Okay. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for, you know, more Morris Hayes and all those guys getting their shine. At okay. least, uh, you know, I'm, you know, but. A lot, a lot of it sounds like it's not quite finished. And, and I think people, huh? Don't people have to understand that? Because if it was in the vault and he didn't release it, so if right. we go in the vault and we go in there data mining, what's the odds of going there and finding a complete project all laced up the way he wants it and put it out? I don't think you're going to find that. Now you might find there might be a, a finished Vanity Six record. Yes. Okay. How would that? Have, say it again. I'd love to have that. That would be great, but you know, it'll never see the light of day, you know. Or like a, a complete, I'm sure there's a couple of time records that we'll, we'll never hear. In there, yeah. Did yeah. you listen to his, uh, the originals where they they let you really hear his original yeah. version of the records? That was one of the most revolutionary records for me when I heard that record, especially when you hear the glamorous life. I was like, what? <laughs> to hear him right. so, like, what? So, you know, like, Sheila, he always tells this story about how, you know, they co-wrote Glamorous Life. No, Glamorous Life, and Jesse Johnson has said it many times. That was a Vanity Six song. Yes. And Jill Jones was just singing the lead, you know, along with Prince. It, was, it wasn't the Sheila E song. It was basically what happened, you know, the whole Apollonia thing. He got bored with that joint. You know what I mean? So he just started giving those songs away. Yeah, man. I Chilly, think that's like, probably no, I wrote that. Chilly, you didn't write that joint. <laughs> yes. Hey, and then sometimes, you know, the truth will come out. If if you walk around and said you were that person, then all of a sudden right. they bring the track out the vault that's been there for 20, 30 years, and they exactly. play that version, you go, you wrote what? <laughs> exactly. Listen, <laughs> so. the, the drum solo, that, that the extended version with the drum solo, that's her part. Oh, yeah, now she killed that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's only on the 12 inch. Nobody's saying she's not bad, but we say, hey, sometimes her stories ain't always factual. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that. She left the place on fire, boy, by herself. Yeah. My son's trying to look at each other like, damn, we got to go home and shed. 
Yeah, how sweet <laughs> she? Yeah, in high heels, no less. I ain't playing no drums in high heels. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> On the weekends, no. And if you do, it's all right. Well, we're we're um, the the meeting after the meeting. So I'm glad I was able to connect you two together. I knew you would have a yeah. blast. Yeah, man. Uh huh. Definitely will connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I talk to Darnell, you know, you're you're an hour, two minute, two hours in. But Darnell just doesn't do prints. He does everything. He knows everything. I can tell. I like that. Because yeah. when he started speaking about the gospel, so I said, okay. You know, well, I, that's my background. Well when, when, that's- when, when I started out with, with uh, something came from Baltimore, I didn't really have access to major, like, artists. And okay. uh, I asked, I begged, I begged Darnell to, like, do shows with me. Yeah. And every every single show that he does, the feedback is always like, we love this guy. We love this guy. Um and they're highly rated. Like people like seek out his name on on my thing. So, you know, it's only it's only smart of me to try to get him to get back on here. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Listen, you got I a new fan right here now, so that's yeah. good shit. I, yeah. I love music. What can I say? I love music. I love talking uh, about music. I love uh, I love it all. Even though yeah. my background was like is gospel, contemporary Christian. Like I really, mm-hmm. I love it all. And that's good. Like people can, they, they hear your joy out of what you're, yeah, when you man. talk. When I uh, started this series and I had Alvin on and the next person went away and goes, I don't want to do it. I just watched the video with Alvin and his energy level. So I, I can't match it. <laughs> and I said, just be yourself. You be just yourself. be you. Yeah, be <laughs> he goes, but he was really good. I said, yeah, he was really good. <laughs> but I said, uh, it's a really important that you just do you. Listen, we're all going to die. None of us are going to get out of this thing alive. <laughs> so why are you going to go through this thing like this? Yeah. Man, I'm trying to... I'm that guy. I'm the rah-rah guy. I will yeah. kick this Yeah, yeah. man. Because listen, I'm trying... Listen, I'm 60 years old, man. That's what's up. Listen, I ain't trying to check out of this thing like this. I said, yeah. if, if you have a funeral and they have to close the casket, that's a good thing. Because if you don't close the casket, it means you look too good. It means, it means you didn't live hard enough. I want to burn this body out. I want to burn this thing out. I want you to open the casket. Oh, no, close that thing. Close it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but okay, that's why okay. I, I bring you that energy, man. I like that idea. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, Tom, yeah, you have fun. to go see. Tom, you got to go see the Jesus Music documentary. The Jesus music? Is it on like Netflix or anything? Uh right now it's in theaters, but they're they're getting ready to like make it on streaming. Like okay. uh, they they wanted to do a theater run to get the numbers, but they're gonna actually put it on streaming. So I, I never heard of it. Yeah. It's about the whole it's about the birth of like contemporary Christian music, but it covers like, you know, the golden era and it covers like Striper and it covers Kirk Frank, all that stuff. Okay. Good. Yeah, I, I started going back and listen to the the radio gospel again. Uh, it's weird, like uh, they they keep on playing the oldies. Like uh, it's weird. I can't get new music because the new stuff sucks. Uh, is that what it is? Because I, I, I get nothing a, there. I get a fifteen year old Fred Hammond song, yeah. and I'm like, I know that. So let, let me tell you my story. Is that I was the anti-gospel guy. I was like, oh, God, no, I, I don't want to hear this. No, no. So I have a good friend I work with. 
and his family's big in gospel. He plays drums, keys. He's really, when he plays keys, that's when you really see him do his thing. Now he's playing more bass than keys. But his family is, you know, fathers, pastors, uncles and all that pastors. And I said to him, I said, man, I, I really, I can't. I, I really can't. You know, I don't want to hear all this, you know. And he said, AJ, you, you don't understand. The gospel today is more closer to what you really like. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. So I had this friend in Trenton, and she's a big gospel girl. And I told her, I ain't with this. She gave me four records. She gave me an old commission record. Mm. She gave me a Fred Hammond record. Yes. She gave me, I can't think of what the other one was. And then she gave me this uh, young woman. Her name is uh, Terry Carroll, okay? I had never heard it. I flipped at the Terry Carroll record, and uh. she looked to be a little more younger. You know, I'm like, I, I threw that record on. And the lyrical content alone was amazing. She did songs like Can't Nobody Do Me Like Jesus, uh, uh, oh, Save the City uh, with the Walt Whitman Choir. Uh, just a couple, and, and it was more yeah. up-tempo with that kind of, she took yeah. the little Kim groove, that then it, then it, then it, She did her song the regular way, then she remixed it with that, all, all on this record. My mind was like literally blown. Oh, wow, and really? To this commission record. And I was like, whoo, it was just pure fire. Listen, then I listened to the Fred listen. Hammond. I instantly became a Fred Hammond fan from that moment on. So then well, I went back and I talked to my gospel cat. He turned me on to a couple of things. I was like, okay. So it, 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 my ear had been stoned to gospel. Now it opened up and I started listening and I really started preaching. Now, of course, here come the uh, Kirk Franklin's in this new wave of gospel coming along. So I really had to get off my my high horse, if you will, and listen to the, the gospel that's out there because my wife has a PhD in theology. And I say wow. that she has that because of the heathen she married as her husband. Wow. <laughs> that's what I helped mean, her get to that point because she needed to work on me. <laughs> I mean, listen, there would there would be no 90s R&B if it wasn't for Commission, the yes. Wines, and the Clark yeah. sisters. Yes. They, they birthed almost all of the major R&B singers and groups. Well, so, so let's Faith, think about this. When you hear Faith Evans, that's yeah, Karen Clark. from the church. Yeah. She's from, what, what's her what's name? Uh, it's Commission. What, what is my girl's name? Uh, oh, my God. That Faith used to sing in the Newark church with her. And she broke out with a couple albums of her own. So what I tell people now is when, when you know, me and Tom were growing up, you walk down the street, every three houses, there was a band. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, when the computer thing came along, all the bands disappeared. Where are yeah. the musicians? The musicians are playing country music and they're playing gospel in the church. That's yeah. where your musicians are coming from. Well, you know, my era, my generation, or my peers, we were the Kirk Franklin era. So that's yes. the generation I came up under. And then, you know, me playing, you know, I was playing for Ty Tribbett for like a million years. But the thing is, like, when I was with Ty, Ty always reminded me of being with a prince. First of all, we rehearsed like 12 hours a day, nonstop. Okay. Okay. But like musically, <clears throat> even though Ty was gospel, like Ty and that band that I was a part of, even though I wasn't there in the beginning, but in the beginning, they were very pivotal in the neo-soul movement in Philadelphia yeah, because they were all playing all of those guys that were in Ty Tribbett's gospel band, they were playing for Music Soul Child and Vivian Green. And there you go. They were hanging See what I'm out. saying? And then Ty birthed 
Jasmine Sullivan. Yes. Because Jasmine Sullivan used to come to rehearsals as a little kid. And then okay. she started singing in the clubs at 11 years old. So, you know, like that era, they that was the musician's era. Like, I don't know what's going on now. You know, <laughs> I just kind of, you know, I just kind of back to everything. It's it's a it's a flat earth. Yeah, no, it's exactly what there's it no, is. There's no there's no there's no money to be made. It's a it's a, it's a cycle. It'll come back. It's a it's a flat it's a flat line. It, I think well. Anyway, in some in some ways, uh, the only thing I can see is is great as Spotify allows people to um, explore uh, in a way that they never did before. So there, there's there, and that's like a common thing. Like people are like, oh, I only listen to this type of music, or I only listen to this music. It's like now it's a it's a free for all. And if you look at people's playlists, they're like all over the place with their with what they're listening to. So that that's cool. But it, there's nothing collective. There's nothing that brings people together, like say go go, that makes people feel like they're a part of something. And that's that's what's missing. Right. And you know who else was my man, uh, Darnell? Boy, I got a hold of Dietrich Haddon. I was like, oh, oh he's, he's, yeah. He might be crazy, but damn, the boy makes some good music. His, like, his first couple records to me are classics, and he was always about the production. He always was about the production of it. You know, he wanted no. to make. Now, I, to me, one of, in one of the, like, newer generation, one of the greatest gospel artists of the new generation will always be to me Tonette. Oh yeah, I got Tonette. They just they just weren't ready for him, so he did. He changed out. his name now. He's a new name. Yeah, now. he's he's Slade. Yeah, he dipped out. He yes. was like I'm good because they just couldn't handle him. They couldn't. I, I got his uh, CD because I love the shit. You know they couldn't handle. That's a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Man. See, and handle. that's the thing I think. So for us, this is why we are Prince fans. Because if you want a, a simple thing tied up in a neat box, you're going to listen to your specific genre. The fact that we're Prince fans, I think that was allows us to open our minds up totally. to listen to all this other athletic stuff. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, he's going to, if you're going to hop on the Prince ride, he's going to get take you places you don't want to be and places you really want to be. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there is stuff that, you know, I, I just doing the jazz stuff, like a John Coltrane, you know, there is a period of his that I can't handle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just can't do it. I want to, and I feel that I'm more mature enough that I can handle it. And I, I try it. I still not ready for it yet. So, (laughs) but I actually, actually, uh, Miles Davis's bitches brew was uh, that record for me. That record, I was like, oh my God, I don't, it was just, uh, I just couldn't get into it. Okay? It was crazy back then. That, yeah, I'm used to that real, you know, the smoother Yeah, stuff. back then it was crazy. <clears throat> yeah. I finally had to sit down, you know, now that I have expanded my brain, I sat down, put it on. Oh my God, I love it now. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just not ready for it at that time. Now Always I can so. appreciate it and understand, you know, okay, this is why he did this because he was in a different space. He had these musicians and this is what he was going for. Now I'm like, now I finally caught up to what everybody else was digging that I couldn't be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. When that came out, that was like, what is this? Like, what is this? And, and, uh, you know, it just, now it's, it's, uh, one of the most sampled albums of all time. (laughs) It's like, uh, people, people, it's, it's been in everyone's mom and dad's record 
you know, uh, collection for years. So every kid got to hear it, uh, bits and pieces of it. You know, there's, uh, we, we were doing this thing. Why is it good? I have someone doing songs in the key of life by Steve, Stevie wonder. And the reason is that the kids don't realize how amazing and how important that album is. So we're, you know, I was like, I can't believe like you have to explain to people that, you know, if you're living on earth, songs in the key of life has to be a part of your life. And that's where we're talking about is like what happened to the world that they can't, they didn't know that this is a part of your musical, you know, collection and, and heritage. So it's interesting that we have to pull that out to tell people, oh, by the way, this is a really important album. So I'm going to laugh with that one. We talk about Prince's uh, prolific nature. I tell people, you got to find the original version of, of Songs in the Key of Life. You can't get the CD. I want you to get the vinyl. Because we, it's four records. Yeah. And, and it was and, a 45 yeah. with that. Who does that? Yeah. Who yeah. does that? It, and and th- there's nothing on there that I get rid of. Everything is great. Mm-hmm. I love the instrumental contusion. I'm like, Stevie Wonder did an instrumental? What? Yeah. Yeah. No. My memories of that record. Oh, yeah. my God. Every song. Every song. Uh-huh. Every every single important artist had their finger on it too. Yeah, man. Uh, so you know whatever was necessary, he knew who who was the right person for the right spot. Yes. So that's exciting. All right, guys, we, we did two hours. <laughs> this uh, is two of the best hours I've spent in my life, man. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Darnell, you did that um, the whining thing. So I edited that, and then my computer crashed. And the whole edit went away. That's why I haven't put it on. So oh, we got I know. Well, I found the raw like thing. Oh, you like, didn't lose it. No, but I couldn't. I oh. for a while I couldn't lose it. It was on one of these, and I just found that there's a whole bunch of stuff I found. So, oh, yeah. so it's on one of these. I got to re-edit the whole thing, but um, it's going to come up probably in the in, in the next month or so. That was that was Angie and Debbie, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it it, yeah. Uh, it it just um, I I I was up for an NPR um, NPR Maryland was thinking about taking my my podcast, oh. and yeah, so I got the feedback two Mondays ago, and it just said that we're not gonna we're not gonna bring you on, um, and they gave me the feedback, which was everything that I knew already, you know, like the audio quality is a little rough in some parts, and um, you know, but. I said, well, I thought I was going to be in your studio. <laughs> I was going to be like, <laughs> right. I, said, I said, I didn't really understand what you were, what, what the offer was, but I assumed that I would have your have studio time and I would also have access to, you know, some other people because I'm a one man band. One man, and, yeah. And so I said that extra eyes and ears would have been helpful. But I said, continue to listen. I said, because we, we still, you know, still push it. My numbers have just got better, better. So it doesn't really matter what if they bring me on or not. Exactly. Keep doing what you do. You got it. your voice is what what you have to keep doing it. Well, you know, it's it's. I think people realize I'm a fan. I'm not a musician, and that helps. You know, there's nothing I'm asking that's too heady that people can't grasp. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, people are afraid of jazz, and here. There's a guy just talking, asking stupid questions, and they're like, oh, that would be the question I would ask. Yes. Yeah. And you get more of a personality thing. I got Joey DeFrancesco coming up, and he 
is a block of wood. And I got him to open up and he talked to me for like an hour and a half. We're chit-chatting. Ooh. And I was like, oh, you do have a personality. Like I was ah, like, wow. See? Yeah. yeah, he's very cool. He is. That boy play trumpet and keys, he bad. Yeah, he's I got awesome. a couple records in my collection of Joey. Yeah, he's actually in Philly today, and I, I told him I would go, but I didn't go. Okay. Now, what but, you said, you're going, you went back to Baltimore, and Darnell, you're in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so that, listen, that ain't uh, we we can we can definitely link somewhere. We'll definitely make that happen. Yeah, definitely. Christian <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, was from DC. He moved to Minneapolis. To Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he's he's born and raised in the DC area. But I like the idea of if I get back into Outer Bar again, doing like the Prince Summit DJ mix, see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. Because uh, I can already tell, you know, we go in different directions. I can already see it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But you have all the remixes and stuff. That's the problem. Right, right, right. <laughs> I ain't going to tip my hat. I got some stuff that I'm holding on to. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. We, we I use you at... <laughs> I would just play rehearsal stuff. Yeah. We'll do, we'll start off with me and Kristen and then you guys can then finish it off. You just build up to the, the more, more interesting stuff. Um, but okay. So thank you guys for doing this, uh, and spending time with me today. Um, we're going to clean this up. We'll probably send it, this out raw and then I'm going to put it on the show. Um, and I'm actually like right now, France is into me. I, every, week i get more and more percentage of people listening so nice yeah yeah i keep doing it yeah i got a small tribe i don't have a huge tribe but when you do it i will hit it and tell them to try to subscribe to you also definitely yeah i got it's weird so i appreciate it all right guys i'll talk to you later happy halloween yeah i'm I'm off today tomorrow i'm life is good bye all right i'll talk to you later peace